Catalog is hit. See me rolling Tupac, I'ma get it on my own. Had to move away to get me closer to the ocean. Seashell, had to get it myself. At the house, since a young and I've been paying my bills. For the longest, I don't need you. All you niggas see through. Round up motherfuckers, I can wait through. Too much money to be making, need it wide. Work for myself like all you niggas aren't it. Look at you probably can Google me, eh? Dr. Bob, what did you do to me, eh? Wake up like, what are you doing today? I'ma get first to economy, eh? I'ma go back to hiatus. If these juice won't play this, might die, might die. RP to my day. Welcome to the Cohort Sports Report. My name is Jeff Woodworth, gas bag number one, checking in per usual with gas bag number two, Brendan Flanagan. Hey. Brendan, how's it going? It's going good. How about you? Pretty good. I'm actually pretty juiced about the show that we have today. I love juicing, by the way. Big show. I, you look like somebody who juices. I know. I, so I, do. I do on the rug. Lots of, uh, lots of just fresh squeezed juice, not the steroids. Get your mind out of the gutter, yes. people. Yes. Um, I clean. Yes. All natural. 100%. Natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we got a great show. It is jam-packed today. I am juiced. We've been wanting to do this for a while, and we finally started it. It's an interview series where we were focusing on mainly Sonoma County athletes, and then we're going to branch our way out, but we wanted to start first with with the backyard so we have an interview uh later on in the show flan was not here for the interview but that's neither neither here nor here or (laughs) neither here nor there excuse me um so yeah uh pack show we got winners losers we're gonna go over the college football playoff rankings then we have the interview with sarah hall and then we have mike's mind mike is back from europe so he graced us he he helped out with the interview and then we did a we did a mike's mind after it and then uh lytle's locks and then uh, power rankings and the pop culture update. So nice. Yeah, let's pumped. Get <laughs> I'm pumped too, dude. Good. Good. <laughs> let's get to it. Word of the day. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Today's word of the day, and it's very appropriate given what's going on, and we'll be talking about it in winner. I mean, in winners and losers, uh, is catastrophize. C a t a s t r o p h i z e catastrophize i had to practice saying that one a couple times i'm not gonna lie it's a verb meaning to view or think about situations or events as worse than it actually is so flan you ever catastrophized something before never never in my life you have never uh viewed or talked about a situation as worse than it actually was no okay. i am very uh 100 real yeah 100 super real. real i know the i never exaggerate anything i'm just 100 real okay no, real, real as a cucumber. I bet you that's BS. You grunt in the gym when you're lifting weights? No, I'm not. You're not a grunter? No. 
Yeah. I don't slam my waist. I don't oh, grunt. Oh, I don't grunt. And you re-rack all the plates when you're yep. done and the dumbbells. Oh, yep. dude, you're so... T- and I wipe down everything. Look at you. With Lysol? Lysol wipes? No, spit. Oh, okay. That's a little gross. All right. Uh, anyway, so that's the word of the day. Catastrophize. All, natu- all natural. <sighs> Plug your mic back in. All natural. Uh, C-A-T-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-I-Z-E. Catastrophize. Use the tears of my enemies. Okay, thank you. That is the word of the day. Now we're on to winners and losers. There are winners. I'm by winning. Winner, winner, ultimate winner. Wow, winning. And there are losers. Loser, 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 loser. Winners and losers for episode 45. It is November 14th, and we have uh, some Major League Baseball awards to get to. Uh, First up on the winners list, managers of the year were announced. And it went to uh, Bob Melvin of the Oakland A's in the American League and Brian Snitker of the Atlanta Braves in the National League. Thoughts, Flam? Good choices. Just They're usually just teams that weren't good last year. It's usually just the most improved, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just the most improved team. That's what the, what the award is for. But nobody expected Oakland to go on the tear that they did in the middle no. of the summer this year. And, and, you know, to give these guys credit, they're, a lot they're, of they're a year ahead of where they thought they'd be. Oh, their farm system leaps and bounds ahead of the Giants. It's just, oh, I'm so jealous watching it all happen. Um, I will say this, though. People like to think, like, managers are just, oh, you fill out a lineup card and then you're good to go. You know, you just sit back and everything. It's like you don't really see how important – uh, manage you know a good manager is until playoff time and unfortunately some of these guys didn't you know didn't make the playoffs um but or didn't make it as far into the playoffs but like look at Dave Roberts how he cost he arguably cost the Dodgers uh, a chance to win the World Series because of how he chose to to you know play his pitching matchups um so that's interesting a lot of analytics go into the matchups that guys will face like who hits better against the lefty or who actually you know who who bats lefty and actually hits well off righties you mm-hmm. know it's a uh, it's interesting. So good good for those guys, uh, for what it's worth. Proud. All right. Uh, next up on the winners list, Cy Young and uh, Cy Young winners were announced in the National League. We have uh, by n- no surprise here, Jacob Degrom, and then um, we have Blake Snell in the American League of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Degrom of the New York. I didn't even Mets. know who the hell that Rays pitcher was. I had no idea either, but I'd been watching this. I'd been following the Degrom story loosely because, like, I'd made the, the he had one of the greatest seasons ever. But he had, but no statistical yeah. output to show for it. Uh, he was literally. That's what I'm saying. I, I brought it up last one of the times that we were on with John a couple episodes back. Cousin John, shouts out to cousin John. Um, where Degrom was having a season where Matt Cain used to have with the Giants, where it's you're going to go out and you're going to pitch a solid seven innings every time you and go not out get there, any run support. no run support whatsoever. You might only let up one run and you're going to lose that game one nothing, yeah. or you'll get the no decision mm-hmm. because you'll you'll leave the game with the game tied zero zero. Yeah, and it's just it sucks. But hey, the baseball writers and awards they got it right because they recognized this guy was dealing. He just he, he truly had no backup whatsoever. All right, next up on the lo- or first up on the losers list, I should say. Uh, the NFL saw some action here over the past couple of days. Were you paying attention? Yes. No. Were the, oh, the uh, Mexico thing. Well, the lots, lots of stuff. Okay, so the NFL Monday Night Football between the Chiefs and the Rams is no longer in Mexico City. Uh, Estadio Azteca, the field was pretty shitty. Uh, they equated it to a marshland out there, and that's just not safe. Just not safe for the quarterbacks. Not safe for the quarterbacks. Everybody yep. else, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the players, the teams kind of called the NFL's bluff on this, though. They moved the game to, to L.A. now because it was supposed to be a Rams home game anyway, just mm-hmm. in Mexico. But um, 
they, there was a, the teams came out and said we're going to rest a couple of our starters. We don't. There's no point in you know thrashing up knees and and ankles and Achilles and all the yeah. all the bad stuff that could happen with a terrible field like that. Uh, Brandon Marshall got signed by the New Orleans Saints, and so the New Orleans Saints got that old veteran wide receiver that they were going to get one way or another. Unfortunately, Des Bryant was blowing out. I think that De- I think when Des tore his Achilles, I was just leaving. I was like, yeah, I'm not coming back. Oh, for sure, 100. Yeah, percent But I felt but I felt so happened. bad for Des Bryant because that guy worked so hard in the offseason and waited yeah. for the right chance to go. He turned down a, a way more secure deal to prove himself, and then he yeah, ends up yeah. getting hurt. And it's just and he multiple with the Ravens, and then the Saints had given him that year and a half instead of just the rest of this, you know half uh-huh. a year uh and then of course nathan peterman as bomani jones likes to call him the pita man is gone and out of buffalo matt barkley came in and lit it on fire and it just truly shows you how inept nathan peterman is whatever happened to josh allen josh allen's got an elbow injury and they're just they're just milking it they're just oh. saying don't don't hurry back we know this team is trash so if you're hurt it's okay you know uh, but I saw a stat. Well, I actually didn't see it. I heard it. That guy had more. Didn't, didn't he have more interceptions than he did completions this year? Yes. Uh, so Nathan Peterman is so bad as a quarterback that for him to have a, I believe it's a touchdown ratio better than Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers would have to throw oh. an interception on his next 12,000 straight throws. So. Yeah, like, and of course, you're, I'm comparing him to Aaron Rodgers, who I have my own bone to pick with. Well, really, just the the people who want to claim him to be the goat. Uh, but like, that's insane. How uh-huh. bad at, at being a quarterback are you? Uh, and then next up on the on this little three headed monster here for the first losers, Le'Veon's out. He's not reporting. And as a Steeler fan, I could tell you that it's very unfortunate. Um, the dude wants quarterback money, supposedly. The dude's not going to get yeah, quarterback well, money. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Is So Le'Veon needs to – well, he doesn't need to do anything. You know, he's a grown man. But I'm just looking at it from this standpoint is you are going to get your money, and that's what this is about. You're going to get your money. You're going to get it at a team like the Jets – yeah, you're going to you're, you're get quarterback money like for the you're, Bills or something. Yeah, and you're going to go to a shitty franchise that's not nearly as run as well as the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, it's not, and, and you don't have nearly the uh, complimentary pieces around you. Like, let's be honest. Instead of, uh, and I was listening to um, Colin Cowherd earlier today talk about it, and he was saying that safeties, are their teams are, defenses aren't bringing the eighth man in the box because to, to stop Le'Veon because they need that safety to stop A.B. and Juju. So what, what, what Le'Veon has around him is has allowed him to to show off his skill set, and you're not gonna the get the that thing, wherever yeah. else you go. The thing that I think the GMs they prioritize um, people they pay, and it goes quarterback, pass rush, receiver, um, corner, and then left tackle. Which is absolutely weird that it's just that way. It's structured. It's literally. Think, it's yeah. usually that. It's literally like when that really way. it should be quarterback, D line, O well quarterback, O line, D line, and then all the other pieces. You get what's left, and you better. But enjoy the, it. when it comes to like teams putting like a staple on your team, it's usually a receiver, quarterback, and pass rusher. Those yeah. are usually your staples. And uh, running back. The thing that the running backs that they found like well they haven't found they've shown in the draft you can get one that not even drafted and they prefer, they get 1500 yards like Alfred Morris wasn't even drafted yep um Arian Foster wasn't drafted this guy on the on the Niners now uh, Brita wasn't drafted um not many people that I'm in love with Matt Brita by the way I love everything that he does for that <laughs> Niners awesome. offense pretty much because he reminds me of a Le'Veon type player with mm-hmm. the way that he's working but then McKinnon the next year they'll be good but um mm-hmm. anyway offense but uh, you never like just Brita. Yeah, so they just show like Brita. they're 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 in Sorry. they're they're expensive. 
Oh, indispensable? Yeah, whatever the hell yeah. word it is. Yeah, indispensable. I got you. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying, especially in today, like with the with the running back by committee, how many big guys are occupying the backfield. Like, yeah, Le'Veon was the guy who was out there most usually for third downs, and every once in a while you bring in James Conner as a change of pace. But now you're seeing more and more teams go with, you know, we have our pass back, but we also have our, we have our passing back who's going to be out there on third downs, but we also have this guy who's going to, you know, we can, we can mix him into first down too, mm-hmm. you know. Because he can also run the ball, he's a running back. But so those are the uh, the NFL losers. As we move down the loser, loser the loser list. Uh, as Warrior fans, I'm kind of just looking at this outside media that they're the story that they're trying to paint between the KD and Draymond beef as like that's just loser behavior. Like what loser reporting, pretty much what we're going on. I was reading something on Bleacher Report today where some guy blot like made a post and it, the report his his article started out a report per. Uh, some guy for USA Today who was quoting Shams, who was quoting Adrian Wojnarowski. Yeah, so it was just guy. like, in, you know, when you retweet something on Twitter and you got to go through the box, the box, the box, the box, and it's just like, you know, where am I getting to? And it was all just to say that there's a slim chance that Kevin Durant might not come back next year. And it's just like, oh, really? Okay. They're well, ten- you did they're wonder when he made that comment about that poster board in New York City, like, you got to try harder than that. They, oh, you're ca- I was thinking to myself, I, I, I did think to myself, why the hell? KD, KD should have put that all to the side at the beginning of the season when he said, hey, I'm focused on this year. I want to win championships. I'll cross that bridge when we get there. He didn't. He's brought it up, and it's looming. What, ca- what Draymond did on the bench if he did bring up his contract situation – totally out of pocket even if everybody's feeling that way that's just the wrong time and place to bring it up not in the middle of a fucking game you know especially yeah, when everyone you're can see that argument yeah too. do it in the locker room okay where everybody else, where all the grown-ups all the other teams have their have their things but let's not forget way back uh when michael jordan fucking cold cocked steve kerr in a throat during training camp that mm-hmm. bulls team went on to win 72 games that year so uh, we're only 15 games in the NBA season, if that. I think this Warriors team is going to be okay. <laughs> um, as we'll we'll get Mike's got a couple hot takes later about what's going to happen with the Warriors, and I don't think so. But do you, who do you think is more likely to leave the Warriors out of the three? KD, Clay, or Draymond? I think it's KD. I think we've all thought it was KD's willing to be out. That's right. That well, okay. Well, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't wanna, even, I, even before this whole thing, went I'm down. not spoiling anything for later. But I think it's KD. You think it's KD. Mike does not agree. So we'll d- we'll get to that s- that sound later. But um, I think for right now, it's all together. You just need to sing Kumbaya, and make it through the season. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's 82 game season. You're not even. You you're do? just an eighth of the way in. You need to create these storylines to make it more interesting, so you can look back and be like, "Oh, what a year it was! They overcame so much." I do wonder, uh, out of like seeing Durant on this team and everything he's done in the past, the dude seems like his social skills or his awareness when it comes to being social or like talking is just not. It's not smart. He's just fragile. He's just super like, fragile like and, and emotional. And every, every, like a lot is revolved around him in his life. Oh yeah, of course. Well, it's just been him, his brother, and his mom. You know, his entire life. But I'm saying that dude's really emotional. And when you're emotional, rationality is not. Uh, it's it's one of the things that suffers when you feed when you feed into your emotional stash and then your you rationale and logic. It does it. Yeah, exactly right. Burner Which accounts. makes me think: Are those burner accounts really just his brother <laughs> coming to his defense? I saw I saw one today. It was it was a picture of Katie on his phone. It was a. Uh, 
Hey, man, do you think Draymond's going to leave the Warriors? I think so. Kevin Durant is so much better. And I said, from <laughs> Warriors, 6'9", six, 6'9". Nine, six, nine, six, nine. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, one, of his, one of his actual burners. Uh, or, or no, 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 it's, it's, like a, it's like a meme kind no, of thing. No, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if that's something that we'd see from one of his actual burners if he did. But uh, his brother did post up some cryptic IG What's comments. The, weren't all his comments like just defending himself? Like saying, oh, you're wrong or something? Pretty much. Basically. He's just talking about how he hasn't made up with Draymond yet. And they'll, they'll, get, o- they'll get over it and move on with the season. Um, you know, all the other Warriors seem fine with it. They'll 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 relax. They got a bunch of mature cats in that locker room. They'll be uh, just love fine. mature people, love yeah. mature cats. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah. Th- so I'm not worried. There's gonna be there's a lot more to unpack from that situation as we move forward. Uh, a l- uh just a lot from like you know wannabe storylines. What we could dissect as drummed up media garbage. Um, so we'll do that later because there's plenty of time for that. Of course, I'm of sure course. there'll be another another disagreement of some sort on this team that's what happens when you get a bunch of uh, competitive alphas together so uh, as flan would know in the gym correct yes oh yeah Mm, very much so very much so all right uh on the winners list jimmy butler jimmy butler got what he wanted he is out of minnesota and he is into philadelphia unfortunately for philadelphia's first round or you know number one overall draft pick last year markel fultz that means he's out of the starting lineup did you see the video of Markel Fultz's go- or free throw shot looking like Barkley's? so bad for him. Golf swing? It's awful. I don't know what's going on with him, but he needs to figure it out. Otherwise, he's going to be out of the league. Have soon. they have they just tried to completely redo his form? They or tried something? to redo everything for him, but as Why? soon as as soon because it was broken, something was broken. There's a mental. But there's no, a mental but he, thing he wasn't like that in college. No, though. not at all. He got his shoulder got hurt, and ever since then, it's been his shoulder connected was to the it mind. Be, was and it, was it before the draft he got hurt? I don't know. I'm not exactly 100 percent privy to that knowledge, but. Uh, I wonder if they just let him go and just let him be himself. He would have been fine. Probably, but this will be one of those things where if the Sixers cut him in the next year, he'll go off to Europe or he'll play in the G League for a year or two, come back looking better than ever, and somebody else will pick him up, and the Sixers will be kicking themselves. I Probably think the Warriors will pick it's him just up. It's just Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is perfect though because Jimmy Butler is just competitive enough to where he wants to win, but he's also going to make everybody around him better. Uh, he's definitely not your number one option. That's in Embi- that's Embiid, uh, but Jimmy Butler will. Uh, take care of of his teammates, and I think he's going to help uh, foster the growth of Markel Fultz. Are they are they uh, the favorites in the East now? No, no, no. Do you think it's? I think it's more. It's much it's more. Uh, your your top four in the East right now are the Celtics, Sixers, uh, Bucks, and Raptors. So that's who I'm paying attention to. I'm not willing to give it up to just anybody. Ju- you know, I- yet in the East, that'd be. I think the Celtics are still they just seem deeper right On now. Paper. On paper, but the Raptors have the better record, and the Bucks have been playing very well too. So I think Boston will figure it out, though. They have a good coach. Well, that's why they play 82 games, and they don't start the playoffs after 20. Yep. So, uh, all right. And also, why baseball goes 162, which we don't understand. Which I understand. Uh, why? It's the right number. It's the right number. It's a nice round number. Yes. Uh, very divisible. Okay. Uh, next up, or last up on the losers list. So this story that just doesn't want to go away. Ohio State. Uh, this Urban Meyer and Zach Smith stuff so apparently now there's a uh, report that there's a cover-up coming out that urban meyer covered up zach smith's use of a racial slur on former player trayvon trayvon grimes um it's crazy what i noticed most about this was aside from the normal you know he said this that happened blah 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 is what seemed like spam on twitter uh was former osu players or actual osu players tweeting about um what happened uh so you have garrett stipen who says Ohio State wide receivers Johnny Dixon, Austin Mack, and Paris Campbell vehemently deny a report from stadium's Brett McMurphy that Florida wide receiver Trayvon Grimes transferred due to a racially charged practice altercation with former wide receivers coach Zach Smith. 
all three of these guys quote tweet Brett McMurphy's original report tweet about it with the link. And the first one, Paris Campbell says, there's no way that anyone would believe this. No way. This is a lie just out of hand. I was present during the entire altercation and what's said in this article never happened. I can guarantee it crazy how social media gives people platforms just to spread nonsense. Then Austin Mack goes and says, wow. So you really think a room full filled with black athletes would still be a part of the university and if any racial slurs were used to degrade another black man every one of us wideouts were right there and we saw the whole thing uh brett mcmurphy you continue to lie every day and then johnny dixon says i witnessed the whole altercation and this didn't happen you think a group of african-american young men would sit there and let something like this happen say what you want but this isn't true at all so the only thing that got me kind of going hmm is uh, those last two tweets kind of sounded eerily similar so i don't know if those guys were just sitting next to each other and practicing typing out their drafts uh, Johnny Dixon, Austin Mack, but uh, it's you know it's crazy how you'll just go and dr- jump on that grenade like it's a d- Urban Meyer, say what you will, probably probably a shit human being. Zach Smith, shit human being. So yeah, Zach Smith tried to go after the Texas coach this week. Yeah, he did. He, so he, I think he beat his wife, and then uh, he went after Tom Herman and said, "I'm going to expose you for cheating on your wife." And uh, Tom Herman responded with saying, "Okay, cool, hook him," <laughs> which is the slogan for the University of Texas. That's that's a. What did he, he just have not? He didn't have anything on him or at all. I guess he does, but it just uh, Tom Herman was not not so worried. But yeah, it was a very violent text message yeah, that I was saw posted. That. It was crazy. But yeah, Urban Meyer will probably just conveniently forget about this at some point. <laughs> um, maybe all of those former players can be conveniently forgot about it. But it's a giant. He said, she said. Um, but I mean, he said, he said. Really, no, no, she's in this right now, or at least in this part of the story uh, between this program. And, uh, dude, it's looking more and more like this might be Urban Meyer's last year at Ohio State. And just last I hope year coaching. so. I uh, sure another, hope so. Another health issue will pop up. He'll disappear for a couple years, and then he'll contemplate coming back to another school. The the only, there's only one thing in this college football season I hope that happens is, one, Michigan beats Ohio State, and not this coming weekend, but the weekend after. And then Michigan goes and plays at Levi Stadium for the championship and wins it and shoves that damn trophy right up Jed York's ass. That's two at wishes. Levi Stadium. That's two. No, well, it's one full wish. It's one big wish. It's in order t- for them to get to that point, they had to beat Ohio State. So they had to, it's kind of just it's got a couple. It's cl- assumed. Okay, it's like a perform. It's like an incentive yeah. wish, like a performance incentive. Like get all the way to the championship, win it, and then shove one. that trophy up Jed York's ass. Well, that's crazy that you had mentioned that because I'm uh, essentially mean they have to go to, through Bama. But we will get to the college football playoff ranking. In just well, a second, last SC's win- gonna beat Notre Dame. <laughs> last nope. last winner uh, for the day, I consulted our hockey correspondents Luca Spence and Curtis Klinger. Shout out to those guys. Thank you very much. Uh, the, Thank you. The Penguins and the Kings executed a trade today, and uh, trade I'm, Crosby? No. Oh, it's the only player I know. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm gonna. We're <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your contribution there. Um, so yeah, it was. I gotta look up their first names, but Pearson and Hagelin. That's what you need to know. Okay. So for the purposes of the story, I'm gonna break this down. All right. Uh, Kurt says it's a pretty straight up trade between the two teams. Hagelin is fast as hell and can kill penalties. Pearson is a tall, strong forward who can score, but won't play huge minutes. Huge minutes. Asterisks. Also very injury prone. He says. Then goes on to correct himself. So I guess Pittsburgh gets $250,000 back of Hagelin's contract. They for sure won the trade. He tried to tell me that there wasn't a winner in this trade. I was like, bro, this is sports. There's always a winner. Nice try. <laughs> unless, there's a, unless it's the NFL and it's a tie. That's the only, the only difference. Uh, but so, And then Luca says, uh, Kurt is right. Both sides did win. Pearson has proven he can score with the right line mates. And he's $250,000 cheaper than Hagelin. 
and uh, and Hagelund makes the Kings faster, which they desperately need. So it does seem like both of these teams actually just shook hands on a mutual deal, which is crazy because you look at something in the NBA. Sportsmanship. Like, God loves sportsmanship. Yeah, even in hockey, man. These are people that will go to war for a seven-game series and then shake hands in the center of the ice afterwards. It's just Hockey players are a different breed, and I'm not saying that in a negative aspect at all. Like I respect you motherfuckers. You guys skate on swords. You are nuts, mm, all right? I would. Fighting is allowed in your game. You guys have evolved, okay? I'd be terrified to just fall on the ground somebody just doesn't see me in a row. Oh, oh dude, yeah. You ever seen the video of the... Uh, yeah, uh, no, goalie, don't uh, stop. Yeah, just stop right now. Just throw, stop right yep, now. Oh, stop right bad. now. Okay, we're going to stop that, but we're going to bring uh, winners and losers to a close. So winners and losers for episode 45. Congratulations to the winners. Sucks to suck for the losers. All right, let's move on to the college football playoff rankings. The college football playoff picture. The college football playoff rankings got dropped on Tuesday, which means the college football playoff picture is that much closer to completion. There's a little bit more speculation going on. So number 10, Ohio State at 9-1. Number 9, West Virginia at 8-1. Number 8, Washington State at 9-1. LSU at number 7 at 8-2. Oklahoma at number 6 at 9-1. Georgia at 9-1. Number 5. Number four, Michigan at nine and one. Number three, Notre Dame ten and zero. Number two, Clemson ten and zero. And then of course, number one, Alabama ten and zero. So the only the top four teams make it. So right now, if the playoffs were to start today, it'd be Alabama versus Michigan, Clemson versus Notre Dame. Flan, you're saying you're you're saying that Notre Dame's going to lose to SC. Yes, and then Alabama's going to then that make. Michigan three seed, and so they wouldn't have to play Alabama. And then they play Clemson, and then Alabama. You realize that'd be a terrible matchup because that Harbaugh's defense is not; it could not keep up with Saban's offense. You need see. This is the problem: is I'm all for Michigan making it into, especially as the one loss. But you need you need an offense that's like a a, a Georgia, a Oklahoma, a Washington State, a West Virginia, like basically not LSU, not Michigan to go up against. Uh, They're the best running game in football. But in football. who? Michigan does. Yeah, congrats on the running game. But I need, I need, you need to pass the ball. That's the one thing that they've been, they've been getting. That look done at recently. teams that are, look at teams that have beaten Saban in the past. Like uh, and those Clemson teams that beat him, they that they passed the ball very well. Granted, it was Deshaun Watson, but they all the teams that have have stood in there and gone twelve rounds with Alabama, even if they've just gotten nudged out by a little bit, hey, have, hey, have hey, had creative hey, offenses. Hey, anything can happen in football. Anything can happen. Well, I'm sure football can happen without a doubt. But I'm just saying, if you look at what history's dictated, is the LSU team that's got such a great defense has been run over constantly by Nick Saban. You need. They're you full can, of themselves. They'll, they'll, they're, yeah, they're full you of You can them. give up. It's okay if Oklahoma gives up 30 points to Alabama because Oklahoma's going to go can out we just there say and they're going to Alabama's going to win the whole thing. I don't, I'm not willing to say that. I'm not willing Who's to say the whole thing. Do you think Clemson's going to beat them? No. I think that if you get a team, if you get a team, I'm really pulling for Washington State in there. I want Mike Leach in. Well, this is a pro Mike Leach podcast, by the way. Uh. Yeah. So we're pro Mike Leach, all right. That's. Uh, I guess we're pro Mike Leach. Yes, we I are. I was not informed of that well, discussion. Breaking news: We are pro Mike Leach podcast. Um, Fuck. I'm also down. What? I, did, I, was, I was not aware. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm also kind of hoping that Oklahoma gets in. So if there's a way that Notre Dame could lose, and maybe Clemson could also drop a game here, and then Bama holds on against Georgia, and you know Oklahoma so yeah, and Washington State. So it'd be, it'd be Alabama, Michigan. Oklahoma. Oh, I'd be. I like to see Michigan and Oklahoma. That'd be a good. And one. then Alabama versus Washington State. I like Michigan to see Minshew. Minshew with the with the with the. No, but that's. 
That's what I'm saying, man. The offenses, your high-powered offenses, stand a very good chance against a game that has slowly started to take away a defense's ability to function at the pro level, and you're watching it trickle down to the college level. Right. You know, and it's just it's all about who can come. And even look at look at your boy Shanahan. It's all about your ability to draw up offensive plays that get guys open uh, and put points on the board. So I'm telling you, if, they, if, they, if the Michigan loses the game, it's all because of that quarterback Patterson. <laughs> It's all his fault. It has nothing to do with hard. Literally, they have the best. They have, they have one of the best running backs in the, in the in college football, and then they got just a uh, managing quarterback, basically. Yeah. All right. Well, we will continue to monitor. Hope he, goes, hope he leaves at Michigan next year. <laughs> we will be monitoring the situation as it unfolds. Please uh, leave we Michigan. Got a, we got a couple more weeks. I think we have two more weeks of this. Two, three give more it to, weeks. Give it to McCaffrey, please. Four weeks after we include the conference championship games. Anyway, that will uh, so we'll get back to the college football playoff picture later. But now it is time for our interview with professional American long distance runner Sarah Hall. Uh, just to list off a couple of her accomplishments real quick, she won the 2011 gold medal in the 3,000 meter steeplechase at the Pan American Games in Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, most recent, that was an, as an amateur. In her professional career, she has. Um, most recently won the Ottawa Marathon uh, back in May, and she finished that in 2 hours and 26 minutes. And then she won the Women's U.S. 20-kilometer road championship in uh, New Haven, Connecticut in a little bit over an hour. And then most recently in October, she won the U.S. Women's 10-mile road championship in Twin Cities um, in 52 minutes and 47 seconds. Actually beat the, the competitor by one second. Uh, she breaks that down more in the interview. So... Um, it was a really fun interview. I hope you guys enjoy. So without further ado, it is time for Sarah Hall. And we are joined by professional American, it says middle distance, but I'm going to say long distance runner, Sarah Hall. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? You know, hanging in there. Everything's all right. Got my flu shot, my pneumonia shot, actually, the other day. So, whoa, yeah, I know. Same shoulder. <laughs> exciting times. <laughs> oh, so exciting. All right, so uh, you are originally from Santa Rosa, California. Can you just talk about what your uh, experience was growing up here in wine country? Yeah, um, it was a pretty magical place to grow up. It was, um, you know, definitely as a distance runner was pretty ideal. I lived across the street from Spring Lake Park. So that's really how I fell in love with running. Um, I just would run right out my door and explore in the trails and just try to get lost and find my way home all the time. And, did, you, did you spend a lot um, of time in really, Annadale? Oh, yeah, mostly Annadale, I guess. So, um, yeah, starting in Spring Lake and then going up through there. Cool. Um, so, yeah, that's really kind of what grew my love for the sport, but also had just really great teachers. Uh, Joe Walsh at Slater Middle School was really influential in kind of like fanning the flame I had for running um, – and just really encouraging me to like focus on that instead of soccer. So, so yeah, I'm really thankful for growing up there. So you originally started out as a soccer player, and then just long distance running just became kind of the go-to. I'm kind of interested though because most most athletes, I think, or maybe just me as a former lazy athlete, would look at long distance running as something that's like torturous. Like what what lit that flame for you? Yeah, um, you know, I always have like challenging myself since I was young, like. Uh, whether it was like mountain biking up to Lake Osanjo with my family, like I would just smoke them all up there when I was only, I don't know, like six or seven or something. So I think I've just like always liked physical challenges. Um, but I think what I liked about, 
about running was, you know, I loved soccer, but I loved that with running, like my success was kind of um, just dependent on about on how how much I put into it, basically. Like I wasn't dependent on my team, but it was really like what I was willing to put in, I was going to get out um, and just seeing success really early on that kind of just solidified that. Yeah, success from early on, I'd say, because in high school, you won four state cross-country titles? Yes. And then three state track titles in the 1,600 and 3,200 meters. And then you also, okay, we're just going to keep the list of accomplishments going. You won the Foot Locker National High School cro- Cross-Country Championships in 2000? Yep, that's right. So was that just, was that easy money, or did you just kind of, did you struggle for that one, or did you take care of everybody? Oh, no, I struggled. Um, you know, I was kind of a miracle I won that race because I had wanted to win that race my whole high school career. Um, and I was third my sophomore year. But um, my junior year, I basically, I barely didn't qualify um, for the event, which was a big disappointment because I was kind of favored to to win along with someone else. And so then my senior year, I was kind of a last shot. But I, I started out that season pretty rough. I had done a missions trip um, over the summer. And I hadn't really gotten in the same amount of training mm-hmm. I had normally done. So I started out the year losing quite a bit, even in, like, dual races with other schools. So it looked it looked pretty unlikely. But, um, but I just kept chipping away, and I just refused to kind of let go of that goal. And, and uh, I, I just visualized every day, actually, on this grass strip out front of my house. And then... The, the race kind of played exactly as I'd visualized, and it was like my body just clicked in and knew what to do, and, and I won in, like, a sprint finish by, like, a second or two. Nice. I, I got a question about kind of that visualization topic. How much um, of that uh, early kind of practice do you think set you up for more of your long-term success in your career? Do you think that um, that having kind of that strong mental practice was one of the edges that you kept? Yeah, um, you know, I, I, that's something I kind of just experimented with in high school, but I think really learning to overcome the challenge um, and and disappointment and, and kind of persevering through that really is something I still draw on right now in my mm. career. Um, just because a lot of times, yeah, you experience a setback, whether it's an injury or you're not where you should be, but just learning to, like, put your head down and chip away and, and not um, – not just give up hope has has been something I I look back to high school for. Nice, cool. And then of course you went to college. Well, I say of course, like it's common knowledge. But uh, <laughs> you went to you went to college it at is. Stanford, and then that's where you met your husband Ryan. So I'm kind of interested. How did that happen? Was it just one of those things where you went out for a training session, and you just kind of pulled up next to him, was like, "Sup?" <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we knew each other a little bit before from um, high school. Like he was the one of the best in California as well um same year as me and then and then we both were going to Stanford and um so I think we kind of had our eye on each other a little bit going in and we go up to Mammoth Lakes for three weeks with the team um as preseason camp so that there we really got to know each other but um but our freshman year our dorms were right next to each other so we ended up kind of walking it was kind of just very meant to be so um so we started dating the first week of freshman year and just Never, never breaked oh, all the way. That is just wow. an amazing story. <laughs> That's a long ass time too. Jeez, like, don't you ever get sick and tired of him? Just you know, I'm gonna go run for myself. All right, like I'm gonna go. I need some time to myself. No, I think I chose well because we've pretty much spent like every waking hour together the last 13 years doing this running thing, and yeah. we, we're not sick of each other yet. So I think 
think it was a good fit. <laughs> uh, how, how much how much do you attribute um, running as, as kind of that internal journey? So you guys are almost like able to go together, but on separate journeys for every run or every time you train. Do you think that was a big part of um, kind of solidifying your experience kind of as like trial by fire? Yeah, you know, um, it's really fun getting to share what we do. Now he coaches me, so it's in, like, kind of a different realm. Oh, but, um, But, yeah, having someone that really understands, like, what you're going through, because a lot of this sport is, is a lot of pressure, too. It's it's individual, It's so it's very right. mental as well. And, um, and so I think, like, having someone that really understands that is huge. Surrounding surrounding that coaching, um, I, I'm interested to hear what what type of what type of coaching do you get? I mean, is it more like you know when you're coming around this part of of your run, make sure that you're thinking uh, this and that, or make sure that you've saved enough energy, or is it more like uh, what you should just focus run harder, on? <laughs> just, just keep going? Uh, no, it's a lot of strategy, especially in the professional level. You know, it's everyone's yeah. working hard, everyone's talented. It's and so it's like kind of getting that one percent, like to make it to the top is like you're always kind of trying to fine tune that. Whether it's mental, physical, um, it's a combination. They play off of each other. So, um, so yeah, it's a lot of strategy as well. Um, especially in the marathon, it's such a long race. It's over yeah. two hours and twenty minutes. Yeah. So there's a lot of strategy that goes into that. My question uh, is: You wrapped up after college. Well, actually, a long time after college. Um, you won gold in the 3,000-meter steeplechase at uh, the 2011 Pan American Games in Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, what? First off, not a math guy, so how many miles is 3,000 meters? Um, that is uh, <laughs> almost two miles, so oh, it's, okay. it's a pretty short event. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, as obvious, I'm trying to wedge my way into radio. Like, no, no, no <laughs> mathematician over here. Um, okay, so that, but for people who don't know, that event also includes uh, hurdles and, well, I mean, the hurdle into water. Is there any other, uh, any other obstacles in that event, or is it just when you're rounding that bend and you get that, that lake? Yeah, you have other barriers um, as well. I think there's, like, five or six it's been a while since i've run one i should know that but um they're like so unlike hurdles they're like these wooden solid Huge barriers that like beams. they don't move if you hit them <laughs> yeah. so oh, you definitely don't want to hit them and it's the same thing that is by the water so that one you kind of jump and you push off of but the rest of them you just clear okay uh, okay okay i'll go um so, <laughs> sorry <laughs> we're looking at each other there uh, okay, so to begin your professional career on March 15th, 2015, uh, you made your debut at the Los Angeles Marathon, and it says here you battled through cramps, so well, like, at what point in the marathon did your legs start to lock? I'd imagine it'd be the legs, or maybe it's like one of those under the ribs where it's just jabbing at you. Yeah, it was, it was mainly my legs. There's quite a bit of downhill in that race, coupled with like 90 degree heat. So it was a pretty difficult race to run my first marathon at. Um, the marathon's hard enough just in a distance, but then... Um, you know, it, but despite that, I, I just really loved the training for the marathon. So it just, I knew that I was going to love the event, even though that one had been just a total disaster. So I kind of stuck with it. Cool. I, I got a question. Um, I, so for my profession, I am a strength and conditioning coach. Um, and I want to know how, how often are you thinking about like your running gait, um, as far as, you know, muscle wise, I'm looking to really get a good kick out of uh, my hamstring and my glute, or is that something that, um, comes kind of automatically and, and that, uh, and your gait cycle feels pretty normalized or is it something that you're thinking about a lot? 
Yeah, it's it's definitely something you're looking to become efficient. You have to be careful because it's like if you start making really drastic changes, then you could potentially have injuries. But um, but I did have to make some changes because I was having some issues with my feet, and mm-hmm. um, just it was it was through strength training and form drills, um, like plyometric drills, that I was able to um, kind of be more upright as I run. Gotcha. But yeah, that's definitely something that um, I work with a really really amazing um therapist chiropractor guy that he he'll watch me run he'll watch videos of me out training and then he Mm -hmm. will like kind of manual you know manual therapy but also strength wise we we're looking to always um make sure we're as as efficient and powerful as it could be right so are you doing uh, a lot of kind of inhibition of uh hip flexors or more range of motion work so that you can get a longer gait cycle um um, it's kind of a combination, not a lot of flexibility, um, you know, like it's, it's a lot of, um, you know, I use this, this machine called the standing firm and it helps you get the intrinsic muscles in your glutes. So like they're really deep in muscles. Um, and I found a really big difference in my, in my power being able to push through my glutes from that. Um, but yeah, some of it is, is like, um, actual like squats. Some of it's like band work with like therabands mm-hmm. um but yeah it's, it's a lot in the hips you know that's kind of really totally. where you're driving oh, your yeah. power from your core and hips totally but like cool. what, what about the toll that it's taken on other joints like your, your knees or your ankles or do you feel do you feel any of that ever oh i mean a little bit i'm this last year i've been pretty aggressive in my marathon training i've um running in the 120 to 130 miles a week so I've had a couple injuries this year uh, in my SI joint and in my peroneal tendon. Mm, so gotcha. that was kind of unusual for me because I haven't had too many injuries comparable in my career. But, but yeah, you're always looking to push the envelope. So you're like, you know, injuries are kind of part of that when you're trying to get all the way up to, you know, right before the injury, basically. Yeah, right. Get yeah. as much of a training stimulus as possible without, you know, toe the edge of that line. Yeah, but it's an invisible line, so it's kind of tricky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think? Uh, do you think your your peroneal tendon um, was one of the one of the factors that led into that SI joint dysfunction, or um, yeah? Well, it, that happened quite a bit later. Um, the SI joint was kind of a combination. I I tripped on a run and really torqued it, oh. but it probably was kind of in the works. Cause I was doing a ton of downhill running for the Boston Marathon to prepare for that. Um, and you know, it was putting, it was having to stabilize quite a bit. So, um, so yeah, you know, there's always a, it's hard to pinpoint like one thing that goes into it because there's so much like all the way down to like where your, how your foot is striking on the ground, you know, but, um, but yeah, thankfully I work with a really gifted therapist that's been helping me. Sweet. Well, I don't want to like list or read off your list of accomplishments to yourself because you you know you lived them. Uh, but you did win the Ottawa Marathon in 2018. You've ran in places like L.A., uh, Boulder, Colorado, Chicago, Tokyo. Uh, where else have we? Yeah, Ottawa. So Connecticut. Where where has been your favorite place to run um, that that your feet have taken you? Yeah, well, as far as races, I always love racing in Japan. Um, they are such a knowledgeable crowd there as far as distance running. And that's kind of like their NFL players or marathon runners. Whoa. So um, so that's always fun to, to do there. I've 
also my favorite track race was in Jamaica. They packed out this massive stadium and people were like climbing up the walls trying to get in. Wow. Uh, you don't see that too often in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, not at all. Um, yeah. But as far as training, um, I, I always love training in Ethiopia where my kids are from. Um, we spent quite a bit of time over there in the adoption process with them as well as since and, and plan to live there eventually. So I really love it's 9,000 feet elevation and it's Ooh. quite difficult to run. Ooh. But sounds insane. Um, <laughs> but it's it's really fun. It's really like uh, it's like eucalyptus forests and hyenas and uh, it's it's a lot more wild than Flagstaff. <laughs> you're not just running for fun. You're running for your life. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> they do kill people. So uh, yeah, as you as you refer- uh, referenced, you adopted four uh, all girls, right? All sisters from Ethiopia in 2015. Yeah. yeah. What That's kind of right. a life exchange or life changing experience uh, was that, and and how has it continued to reward you moving forward? Yeah, it's it's pretty life altering to go from zero kids to four kids. Um, I thought, I didn't know if I was going to still be able to compete. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I, I have been, and I've actually been doing the best I ever have. So I, I feel really thankful. It's it's really a testament to our kids and how well they've kind of adjusted here. Because, um, you know, it's a different culture, a different language. My kids had never been to school. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a bit of, of thing, challenges they're facing daily that I thought was going to be um, be pretty traumatic. But they're just really overcomers and really amazing kids so they're handled it all in stride and you know yeah it's 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 difficult being a professional athlete with kids in general but figuring it out and um and yeah just i'm continuing to improve so just focusing on that well you've got four extra training partners because you've you've got them running races too right i think i saw that on your your instagram not too long ago one one won a race correct yeah, really, my oldest is the only one, like, oh, okay. really training at the moment. But she did just win the state championship here in Arizona oh. in cross country. Wow. So that was really awesome because, you know, the, all those challenges I told you have been the hardest for her. Uh, starting school at 15 years old and not speaking the language and yeah. that running is she's just really excelled. So that's been just such a fun thing to share with her. I got a kind of off-topic question, but it's kind of been bugging me. Running, it seems, especially like um, <clears throat> not so much sprinting, but but cross country running and, and distance running, kind of has this up and down uh, national interest. Um, it seems like we go from uh, really nobody caring, and now there's a huge internet push for kind of these ultra distance runners. Um, there's like a couple guys who have be- gotten on, uh, like Cameron Haynes has been on Joe Rogan's podcast, and we see kind of this uprising of interest in in distance running um, in, the, in the online community. What do you think is um, the interest or the draw of of cross-country or long-distance running? Yeah, well, we're seeing a massive amount of participation in marathons and and yeah. even, you know, outside of marathons, like the Spartan races or like ultras or, yeah. or different things too. So I think anytime there's a lot of participation, there's a lot of interest. Um, but especially right now, uh, women's marathoning in particular is, is kind of the best we've ever had in the U.S. in, mm-hmm. in history. So that's been really exciting. We, uh, we're, like, consistently placing, like, we won the New York Marathon, New York City Marathon um, last, uh, not this one that just happened, but the year before. And then the Boston Marathon following that which is pretty incredible and place three in the top 10 in the olympics so yeah. um so yeah i think 
it's just yeah, especially winning New York and Boston. Those are those are ones that people really pay attention to here in the U.S. Yeah, totally. So I think people are realizing we're having a moment, kind of as distance runners. <laughs> you ever gone down to Beta Breakers just to rub it in everybody's face? Just maybe even run that backwards, just while you're looking at all those people. That, that's the one where they dress up in costumes, right? Yeah, I yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I did race it because they have a professional race, oh, and okay. it was yeah. really fun. I really enjoyed it. A couple years back, I uh, I jumped the fence and joined the uh, the professionals. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, nice. How it long was, did you make it? Uh, not long. I actually had to pull a couple football moves on some guys, do a swim move to get by. They were trying to grab me, <laughs> and uh, I was with them for maybe, I don't know, a um, couple hundred meters. That was it. Nice. That's good. Everybody was cruising. I was sprinting and dying. Promote your tomfoolery. <laughs> uh, okay, so I also did some more digging and see that you have your family dogs, Kai and Dash. Uh, what kind of dogs are they? They are miniature Siberian Huskies, and we actually just oh. added another miniature Siberian Husky, Mita, who's only, uh, she's like five months old. Oh, so, so cute. Yeah. We are approaching double digits as a whole pack. Do the dogs go out with you too, or no? Is that is that just too much for the dogs? No, they do. So Hus that's one of the reason we have them is Huskies are built to run. They're sled dogs, you know. So mm -hmm. um, Kai used to run upwards of like 12, 13 miles with us. Um, she's she's older now, but uh, but now the little one, me time, sure she'll be going those long runs with me as well soon. Nice. Should be worn out. Okay, well, uh, now we're going to lighten it up and we're going to ask you some random lifestyle questions here. Now, I was having a debate with Mike before we called on how to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it this way anyway. Uh, what is your <laughs> your Mount Rushmore, so just top four in any order, your Mount Rushmore of cheeses? Of cheeses? Of yeah. cheeses. Like, for example, I'm, I'm big Havarti, Pepper Jack, uh, cream cheese, and uh, mozzarella, because I got all meals throughout the day covered from breakfast to dinner. <laughs> all right, I'm going to go fresh ricotta, Ooh. Uh, parmesan, okay. Asiago, and burrata. Nice. All right. I, I like how you asked that, you know, Sonoma County, like, <laughs> cheese and wine. Cheese there, so. <laughs> yeah, I, well, that's not me. Um, yeah, my, <laughs> Pepper Jack. <laughs> right, I, well, it's for sandwiches, you know, it's perfect. Sandwiches. Um, so, okay, speaking on the topic of food, I actually want to take it back. So, diet. We obviously know that you gotta eat. You gotta eat healthy to to maintain peak performance. But what uh, what is the diet of a long distance runner consist Man, I of? I just want to know how many grams of carbs you eat a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we do we do eat a lot of carbs. Like, but I try not to like. You know, people are like, oh, I race tomorrow. I'm gonna eat like a thousand calorie bowl of pasta but it's like you kind of want to like spread it out more throughout the day mm -hmm. um so it's really like having like yeah it's heavily carb based but then protein and healthy fat at every meal and snack yeah. so it's like i'm kind of like thinking that through all throughout all my meals and and i eat a lot of veggies too but it's it kind of depends like like right after a workout you don't want a lot of veggies like you want your yeah your like carbs and protein to like hit your muscles quickly. Yep. So it's kind of periodized that way, like throughout the day, even like around the workout, it's a lot more simple carbs, more like yep. easily digestible stuff later in the day. It's a lot more complex and fibrous. Yeah. I got a question. Um, do you know of anybody or have you ever done it yourself who trains and, um, or runs distance or any type of kind of longer, um, endurance type of exercise and eats a ketogenic diet um i haven't found 
anyone that does it well at the elite level. Mm-hmm. I found that to really mess up some people, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. I mean, I muscle wasting can, is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it can um, it can work if you're running like a little slower. Um, so if you're doing like ultras or like or you're just like more recreational runner, mm-hmm. but at the elite level, I think um, when you're really trying to maximize speed, you're I think you're always yeah. going to kind of compromise speed. Yeah, and a lot of people see that it, like just if they're trying to lose weight, but they're trying to gain strength at the same time, they'll lose. Uh, won't be able to put on any strength gains eating a diet. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to have some great health benefits, like for, like cancer, or, you know, different things like that. But yeah, for, for like sports performance at a yeah. fast level. I did see some people great. who were mountain biking, who were having like like insane times mountain biking, like up, specifically on their uphills, which I thought huh. was really interesting. But I'd have to look back into that. I just kind of saw yeah. it in passing. Should have brought the study with you. I know. I just didn't know I was going to do this until like an hour and a half ago. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, I dropped the bomb on him real real fast. Um, yeah, do you have any other questions, Mike? Um, man, okay, yeah. L- there's some general questions that I think are, are just important for people to hear. Um, <clears throat> what would you say, because everybody wants to know, like, what's best practices? You know, what are the best practices? for? So for somebody who's coming up and trying to be a runner, what would you say are like the top three best practices for somebody who's trying to learn to compete at a high level? Yeah, so, well, I guess for at a high level, um, well, I guess anyone just starting in general, like it's, um, you have to realize you have to get over the hump. So running is always really hard at first and people kind of give up, but it gets a lot easier as you get, as you just get a little more experience. So I just encourage people like to just not, not give up. Yeah, um, just don't stop. Gets, <laughs> yeah, um, just because it like, does, it gets so much more fun and easy, like maybe after like the six month mark. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think getting fitted in the right shoes is really important too because you can really uh, minimize injuries and, and, be, and make sure you're running correctly. Um, so that's another thing, just getting started, that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing is to incorporate like different paces. So some fast running is really important because uh, it makes your easier running uh, feel easier. So mm. it's a lot of people kind of just go out, they, they hit the treadmill, they just do the same pace day in, day out. But it's like if you just incorporated some like strides or pickups at a little faster pace, and then you have to maybe slow down in between, you'll find like your like e- your normal kind of training run pace is going to gradually get faster because oh. your body's getting used to kind of greater range of motion and, um, and that fast and what I thought was interesting was in my research of just how people train for I for marathons you don't actually run uh, 26 miles a day like what when you're training for a marathon what's the max amount of miles that you'll hit in your in your run The max amount in, a, in one single run? Yeah, just one single run. Like, because it, it, let's say you're training for a marathon that's in, I don't know how long your, your training camp for a marathon would be, but, like, you know, let's say it's in two months and you, you're you not going to run 26 miles, at, at right? Not to train, you'll wear yourself out. Yeah, well, rarely uh, do people do that. I do, actually. Um, oh, okay. And at the elite level, you might get all the way up to 26. Um, but yeah, but recreational runners, you know, if you're running a four hour marathon or something like you're not going to run 26 miles in training, (laughs) but, um, 
but yeah, I've done it a couple times, but usually I, I hover the maxes more like 23, 24 miles. So, yeah. Hmm. I, what do you think about um, the whole zero drop slash minimal barefoot wear for distance running? Yeah, you know, I I don't agree with the zero drop in the barefoot. Um, I know from maybe if you've grown up in that and you on dirt roads and you're African, you know, growing up in Africa, that um, that that could potentially be okay. But as someone trying to like go from that, that's grown up in like on concrete, walking on sidewalks <laughs> in in shoes, like yeah. I haven't seen a lot of success with that. But yeah. I have actually. Um, moved towards a lower heel drop myself and found that it's really strengthened my feet and lower leg areas. Once I kind of got over the hump of like, at first everything's like yeah, injury risk, you know, because yeah, all of a sudden yeah, it's yeah, being yeah. stretched more and worked more. But, but once you get used to it, I found it helps quite a bit because I feel like it's, it's strengthened those muscles a lot. Yeah, definitely. You'll have a wider range. So did you go down to like a four mil or a six mil? Where are you at? I don't know what it exactly is, to be honest, but um, I wear the Asics DS trainer, so I want to say it's maybe around a four millimeter. You're yeah, sponsored think... by Asics, right? I am, yeah. Oh, so you can plug them right now if you want, just to talk <laughs> about how great of a brand it is and how your foot's never felt any better, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, they are. I, I really am thankful to have been sponsored by them for 13 and a half years because they do make the best shoes and I think literally it really the helps best. keep me healthy. No, and it's not, I mean, as somebody who has no, no like, literally, they make the best shoes. It's just everybody, nice. everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, they do. I mean, in Japan, they're a Japanese company, and, like, just going out to their headquarters, they're so focused on excellence, like, in all areas. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're really into the science of the shoes. Plus, they also have some pretty pretty dope color schemes. I'm not going to lie. I've seen people out running the streets, and I'm just looking at their shoes. I'm like, oh, those are some nice Fire. neon orange shoes. Um, yep. So out in Arizona, you have the luxury of both In-N-Out and Whataburger. Uh, settle the debate. Which is better? And, and keep in mind that you're a native Californian, so your answer, your answer should oh, be... Oh, In-N-Out. Okay. <laughs> all right. Not, all right. Even, not even a competition. Cheat meal at In-N-Out. What, what's on Sarah Hall's order? I actually used to eat there Saturday. Um, oh, yeah. I like <laughs> hamburgers, animal style. I usually get like one with the bun and then one protein uh, style. with the lettuce. Okay. Yeah. Protein style as well. I like to keep it as complicated as possible in ordering. <laughs> yeah, confuse the hell out of them. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think that. I, do you have any more, Mike? No, this has been really cool. Thank yeah. you so Thank much. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with us. And again, congratulations again. Uh, it says here most recently that you won the U.S. twenty or women's U.S. twenty kilometer road championship in New Haven, Connecticut, and and because you're just a winner. There's also uh, you won the U.S. one or ten mile road championship in the Twin Cities. So I did. Yeah. Congratulations Thank you. on By that. By one second. Yes. Yep, it was exciting. Wow. Did you throw throw a bow there? Just kind of throw an elbow and then throw your head out in front? Just, nope, this is mine. No, no, I kept it classy this okay. time. Uh, right. Actually, right, real quick before you go, because that just triggered it. What's the dirtiest thing you've ever seen in a in, in a race? Because there's a video that's popping up online today of a, of a D3 basketball player just absolutely cheap-shotting a guy after a three-point shot. Now I'm curious. Um, I've seen women's soccer. They're, they get pretty intense there. Is there any... Any uh, nasty foul play that goes right? on in the cross country where, realm. where nobody would see it because you're in the middle of mile 13 and you're just like, you know what, actually, Becky, boom, you're going down. <laughs> uh, well, this one 
on YouTube, but it, it wasn't in the middle of a race, but right after a race, this French steeplechaser headbutted a guy. Oh, out of, like, in anger and rage. Must be a French <laughs> thing. Channel is, hardcore. Channel is in, enters the dawn, so it, it just must be a French thing. All right, well, thank you so much, Sarah, for sitting down with us. And uh, I promise once the T-shirts get in production, we'll, we'll make sure to send one out your oh, way. Oh, yeah, you All can right. represent Thanks, the cohort sports report. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Have a great guys. day. Nice to meet you. You too. Bye. Bye. Again, thank you very much to Sarah Hall for sparing some time and giving us that interview. Uh, it was fun to sit down and talk and shoot the shit with her, get to know a little bit more about long distance running. Because honestly, I, I I always looked at that shit like it was punishment. Like, how could those people be enjoying themselves? But uh, I don't I don't know about you, Flam. I thought it was a good interview. Good interview, Jeff. Yeah, thank you. Uh, also, shouts out to Mike. Thank you, Mike, for for helping out. Um, couldn't have done it without you. Uh, and then with that being said, Mike's back from Europe, so now it's time. For another episode. Mike's mind. Yeah. for another edition of Mike's Mind with Mike Hansen. Mike, it has been a minute since you've been on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. Okay. Uh, well, yes, thank you for doing the, the interview with me as well. Now, let's talk about, let's focus the, the attention to you. Uh, you went to Spain for how long? Uh, well, I was in Europe for a total of uh, two months. Uh, I was in Spain for the first about month of it, give or take a few days that I spent in Portugal. Oh, okay. Yeah. And how was it? It was great. Um, I initially went to, to Spain <clears throat> to go to uh, kind of an immersion um, Spanish class. And uh, so that was the first three weeks, um, which was pretty crazy. Uh, being completely uh, f dropped into a school where nobody's speaking English and uh, you have kind of Minimal. I mean, my mom is from Venezuela, so I kind of got. I'm pretty familiar with Spanish, but I wasn't like very much able to express my desires or wishes or wants. <laughs> oh, desires, huh? especially like so. more complicated things, like things that you used to want when you were a kid, but now you don't want them anymore. But you might want them in the future. Like in English, we have a pretty easy way of like changing between tenses. Like you just say like I I would like instead of um, like. I in the future like. <laughs> it's kind of the way that they do it. It's a little okay. yeah. yeah. Spanish has always been weird to me. I always struggled with it in high school too, but you know, I'm starting to think that it was just my overall intellectual or my IQ level. Yeah, that's um, what happens when you get older. You realize like things that you thought were hard before, like really not hard. You just didn't try very hard. <laughs> oh, no, I'm saying like I tried really hard and I just couldn't pick up the language. Like English is hard enough, man, sometimes not trying yeah, to sound like Yeah, the problem with Spanish and in schools it's like is that it's one fucking hour. Oh, yeah, that's true. Go for seven hours a day and never speak English. Oh, yeah. And you will start picking it up, man. It's you not, pick it's it up real fast, but it's going to be a struggle at first, especially if you just drop a widow out there just in the middle of nowhere, just, you know, all of a sudden, and they're just 
they got to learn how to speak Spanish, you know? Yeah. I mean, but that, that was exactly what I did. Um, uh, I had some stuff that I could say, but it really became apparent to me that... So, before going over there, you know how, like, um, Spanish in school is, like, Spanish 1, Spanish 2, Spanish 3, Spanish 4? Where would you put yourself at before you went over there? You I were only speaking went to Spanish 2, and that was six years ago. Okay, so, yeah. Years, eight, eight years ago. Oh, okay. So, so maybe, Spanish like, Spanish one and, one and a half, maybe. Spanish zero. Okay. Dude. Spanish, I can kind of understand stuff, and I can say a few things. What did you learn about yourself while you were over there? Oh, man. There's... There are things that you learn about yourself, and then there are things that you learn just in general. Uh, I have a piece Give me an example of each, please. Well, please, please, please. He's thinking. Yeah, yeah. Put the crickets in. <laughs> um, I I have a p- particular view of self that is not limited to my body, uh, and so when you ask me to describe what did you learn about yourself. I can say maybe things that I learned about my personality or, or stuff like that. Um, I guess, you know, I'll, I'd rather just say things I learned about my brain. Okay, um, what would you learn about your brain? My brain really wants things to be organized. OCD-like um, or no? No, like, a, like my brain just really hates chaos. It hates work. And I think this is true of all people. We've kind of talked about this before. I hate work, too, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, I think I think all, all brains prefer to be able to put things into boxes that it already has organized. And so when I showed up, like, I just remember, like, looking around in the airport, because I had to, I flew into Barcelona, and then I had to take a connecting flight from Barcelona to Madrid. And I just remember uh, looking around, and my brain just being like, okay, find something that you know, find something that's normal to you, and then, like, we'll start from there. Familiarize yourself. Socialize. Exactly, like, like ground zero. Like, we gotta gotta at least, like, normalize these surroundings, Uh, right? But then everything's in Spanish, and you're looking around, you're trying to read things, and you're like, oh, what do I remember? The hell's a tar hat, huh? Yeah, and so, so, uh, bilote, I mean... I never knew that was a ticket. That's tickets. Bilotes. Bilotes. I was expecting to hear tarjeta, like, but that means cards mm-hmm. or, you know, some, a couple other things. But, um, <clears throat> and then what was really interesting is like whatever I thought I knew about Spanish, like that's like y- y- the way they completely te- out the window. Yeah, yeah, because they'll use like no matter where you are, they'll use words like a certain word for a bunch of things. Like in Spain, echar. Echar is everything. Bring it to me. Take it to her. Open the door. Play the thing. That's so it, it means that's, it everything. is like the thing. It's, it's like just like word. go grab the thing. You did the thing with the thing and the thing. Yeah, yeah, but it's the verb. Oh, okay. So it's like it's, okay. it's like using did for like got, left, brought. <laughs> like it's just echar. Like okay. that's it. But and it's all contextual. So you you'll say like whatever. Oh, I also learned that I knew nothing about uh, like sentence structure like grammar like what like a preposition a participle like all of these things well, i learned on all a, of those on a very basic level that's one thing that always kind of confused me with spanish and that's why when i said earlier it was backwards because um and i say that in jest but it's like instead of saying like the red ball they say the ball red like a literal translation if you were to write it out and yeah, yeah. and that's a very basic example but yeah. uh, what were some of, what were some of the other challenges that you faced like you said with, with sentence structure like what was the first hard lesson that you got uh, the first hard lesson was like the fact that I you only learn two tenses in school. You just learn the present and you learn the preterite, which is like the past. Yeah. Uh, there are four past tenses 
That's what you learned because three, I will say this, Spanish three, you learn the future tense, and then Spanish four, I'm not exactly yeah, sure what you, you don't, do. You don't learn the future subjunctive, which oh, is no, actually no, no, the no, present no. subjunctive. No. You don't learn the past subjunctive. You don't learn the past perfect. You don't learn uh, You don't learn the perfect uh, preterite, which is using all past participles. You get, so you like, get job site Spanish. You don't get, and I don't say that like with any racial context. I'm just saying you get enough Spanish to where you can communicate on the job site and function no, different things. You, you wouldn't even say that? You job site Spanish. You get ordering a sandwich spanish that's uh, what you okay get. okay and it's and it's garbage and you know what's funny is they know not because of the way that you sound but because of the words that you choose mm. they know your level of education or your oh, level of no. familiarity with the language so like if you went to a if you went and said um like i visited like you could say um visite or visitaba like i was visit like i visited in the past tense for a while but that would not be what somebody would say. They would say, he visitado, which is, he is a conjugation of a different verb, haber, and it would be, I have visited, or I, te technically, I have been visiting, hmm. or I have been visited. It's a little shortcuts to the language, though, that like, some, like we take for granted in English, you know? Yeah, and a lot of the stuff they don't use as much here. Like, um, there's like the vosotros form. Nobody uses that here, obviously. But then things like, uh, um, they, they won't use... They'll use the, the, it's called the imperfect, which is the abba, aban like, mm -hmm. stuff. They, they'll use the imperfect here a lot more than they'll use the, um, like, what I just said, which would be, like, um, it's a, 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 no matter where you go, you still have to relearn what people say. Mm -hmm. Because where they use in, in Spain, they'll use echar. Uh, and coger, they use coger for everything. Like, the same as echar, like, in, in the way that it means nine things. If you go to fucking Mexico and say that shit, it means fuck. Coger. It means to fuck. Mm -hmm. Like, so, but they don't use that. Instead, they use joder. Which is fuck in Spain, okay. and and so there's, I mean, it's just things. So that people are just running around just when they're getting mad, you scream out joder, or they go jo, okay, joder, or joder. If it's really strong, it's like the difference be between going fa or or fuck, fuck yeah. you know, okay. like the joder, yeah. or I got you. joder, yeah. joder, pinche madre. You know, <laughs> this is fucking. Um, my question is, uh, one of my questions that I have for you is, so how much did you travel around? Uh, the entire country of Spain. Did you? Did you? Um, I to? I didn't do too much. Um, I didn't do too much traveling in Spain. So I showed up in Barcelona, caught my connecting flight to Madrid. This was before school, and then in Madrid, I hung out for a couple of days, and I went to some nightclubs, and I did some drinking, and then uh, my school was in uh, a, a city called Salamanca, which is in the west of Spain, uh, pretty far towards the border of Portugal. Um, and those were where I went. Okay. I didn't really go anywhere else. So is there regional, uh, like, twangs in, in Spain like Definitely. there is in America? The closer you get to Portugal, the, the more S's sound like S-H. Uh, Portuguese, a lot of the tendencies is for if a word ends in S, it sounds like S-H. So, like, uh, sabes is like, sabes. You, you understand? Yeah, they say sabes. Mm. And so it, it's just the closer you get towards Portugal, the more the ends of words start like to Portuguese. sound like that. Okay. Yeah, and it kind of blends over. And, um, you know, Portugal was really interesting because I could understand everybody just fine. After but you couldn't talk back to them. They couldn't understand me. Uh, 
it was so weird. Like, I could understand Portuguese fine, but, like, if I go to speak Spanish to them, they're like, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. But if you start to add little SHs on there, it's, they're like, oh, okay, I get you. You know, but um, but they also all say vale. They don't say okay. Over here, all the Mexicans say okay, but over there, they all say vale. 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 It's V-A-L-E, but I mean vale. Vale. Is that, is that Cuban, too? Because I've heard... Uh, dale. Oh, okay, dale. I was going to say, because I've heard... Um, Which is gimme. I've heard Lebetard say it before on his TV show, where he's just like, uh, vale, papi. Or papi, you know, that's yeah. what he says to his yeah. dad when it's time to transition. Yeah, and that's oh, yeah. and that's totally, yeah. That's just I mean, let's go? Yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. And then I went to, uh, after that, my girlfriend met me in Barcelona. Uh, I hung out Barcelona. Yeah, Barcelona. I hung out. He estado en Barcelona por dos o tres días antes de llegar. In English, por favor. I was in uh, Barcelona for two or three days before uh, before my my girlfriend came. Okay. And then we stayed there for a couple of days. Went to like a Dali exhibit, and then uh, which was really cool. And then we flew out to Paris, and uh, we were in Paris for four days. <laughs> Paris was. Whatever. I didn't go to some of the cooler places in Paris, but I think next time I go to France, I'll definitely be in, like, the south of France or go to Toulouse or go to Nice or something um, or be more in the countryside because um, the coolest part about France was their metro system. You know, I mean, we went to Notre Dame. We went to the Louvre, which was pretty sweet, but, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. And then, sorry, yeah. I caught up in my phone really quick. Oh, I, uh, I know. I just haven't been saying anything about it. I know. I've, I got a bunch of shit going on. Uh, Must be nice. No, it's not. <laughs> we had less. Uh, okay, so just, sorry. I'll, I'll, we'll get back to the, the Europe trip. And we got lots of time to cover that down the road when, when you well, come Well, no, let's, let's finish that. Let's okay, finish let's do it then. I don't, I don't, because people always ask me the same thing. You know, people ask, hey, how was your trip? Was it the trip of a lifetime? Must have been amazing. And I don't know the answer. <laughs> I can tell you what feels different. A philosophical. <laughs> I can tell you what feels different. When I got back, I cared way less about stupid shit. No, so please tell me you still care about sports. I, I like sports. I never, but you know me, I didn't really care about them before I left. Well, that hurts. Basketball yeah. is cool. Ba- basketball, basketball is cool. Yeah. It's fun to watch. No, you love basketball. It's fun to watch. It's more fun to play. Uh. Right? So just like all sports. Yeah. Fun to watch, more fun to play. I don't know, whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, the whole team stuff—it's like everybody wants to suck each other's dicks. I don't, it's, whatever. Um, it's cool if you really like people and want to wear their jersey. Chris D'Elia says if you want to wear somebody's jersey on your back, that dude gets to fuck you. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. I've heard I've heard the D'Elia <laughs> joke before. Yeah, I've also heard how he picks teams where he's just like, "Would a bear beat an eagle in a fight?" <laughs> that's how. That's, that's pretty how I pick funny. Yeah. It's pretty funny, but it's uh-huh. also stupid. But anyway, let me let me finish because this is important. Um, <laughs> There are things that everybody cares about that if you would just leave for a while and look back at your life, it's not important. It's just not important. And one of those things that that I realized is, you know, a lot of the kind of things that you get worried about on a day-to-day basis are just not things that even exist in other countries. They just don't exist. First, like first world problems. Yeah. But now you can identify no, them no, no, as no, American world yeah, problems. Yeah, American problems, yeah. but cultural cultural missed opportunities is what it is in spain if you go out especially in the west of spain if you go out at 4 p.m 5 p.m all of the retired older people are out in the streets walking around hanging out and you'll land dominoes and, and you'll oh, sit, no, sorry, you'll go again. you'll go to a restaurant and you'll see like a like a grandparent couple sitting there you'll if you stay there and watch an hour later 
Their children will show up. An hour later, their grandchildren will show up. Then an hour later, the grandchildren will leave. Then an hour later, the, the, the parents, uh, the, the regular children will leave. And then, finally, the grandparents will get up and go home. And it's a respect thing, and everybody shows up, but, but people aren't locked up in their houses. They're not separate. Everybody likes to hang out, and they kick it. And you know what's not important? It's not important to them. If you want to drink a beer in the street, whatever, go for it. You want to walk around with a beer, whatever. You want to get absolutely smashed, whatever. It doesn't matter, right? What matters is that you can show up and pay respect to your family, participate in the social things. Uh, what's more important to them, even like you've heard of tapas, and everybody goes out to get tapas, you know, it's not about going out to get drunk or going out to get food. It's about going to see people. It's about going to be with the people that are important in your life, like physically with them. You know what they don't do? They don't fucking sit on their phone all day and look at stupid shit online and try and look better than they are. They don't do that. And so when I got back and I actually deleted my Instagram before I even left, I fucking deleted it again. I'm not going back on it until I think that, until I find a use for it that doesn't make my life worse. Because every time I look at that, you know what I do in my brain? I compare myself to other people. And it doesn't matter. Anybody could say, you know what, I, I use it for this, I use it for that. How often do you use it and how much does it pull you away from the best time of your life, which is right now wherever you are? Well, now you can track how much you use it on a day-to-day basis, You've right? You've been able to do that oh, forever. I didn't, I didn't know that. I you just, just had found to out download an app. You just had to I, care enough. I don't, recently enough, you want to find out? Let's <laughs> find out my activity. On a daily average, I spend roughly about 46 minutes on Instagram. Yeah, which is a whole hour. uh, Well, not quite, but that's an hour of me. (laughs) Literally 14 minutes less than an hour. Me either sitting on the toilet or like, you know, right before I go to bed or, you know, I'll be sitting at work on my 15 minute break. You can justify all the usage for it that you want. Oh, I'm not justifying it. I'm pointing to where my time and activity is. That's great. You could take what I noticed is my 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 shits take 10 minutes less. I get more stuff done because I don't have that. And you know what? This is the best part. Is I don't worry about anything that's not happening where I am. That's the worst thing. That's what's detrimental about that. It's not the usage. Because like if you spent th- that time doing a Rubik's Cube, you're wasting just as much time. Mm-hmm. right? But what you're not doing is you're not wondering what other people's lives are like. You're not making that comparison. You're not looped into this game of how many likes did I get or how many likes. It's more often how many likes did I wish I got that I didn't get. That's actually more often what's happening and so you're playing this game of wishing that your life was different than what it is instead of just being where you are doing what you're doing you know you and 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 for me this is extremely important because it's a distraction it's a distraction from things that are more important than what's in here which is what's happening in the world california is burning Okay, we talked about this before. People aren't making a concerted effort to make a change in their life because they're making all their changes here in the virtual world. Well, hashtag meanwhile, thoughts and prayers. Meanwhile, the, the world is literally burning, yeah. right? We've had record temperatures everywhere in the world this year. Everywhere. And we did last year, too. Yeah. Which means it's hotter than it was, than hotter than it was, you know? Well, well, bringing it back to stuff that necessarily doesn't matter, I want to get your thoughts on this because I know we're on a time crunch. Oh. Um Jimmy Butler to the 76ers. What do you think about that? Uh, it was a good trade for the T-Wolves. They came up They came up well. They, they're going to have more ball touches for Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, and D. Rose, and they're not going to have somebody complaining on their team. Whether or not he was actually pushing them to try harder, we'll see. Maybe once he's gone, everybody will try harder because he's gone. Uh, good pickup, I think, for the 76ers because they needed kind of that mid-sized force to score. 
uh, just because, I mean, Covington wasn't producing that much. He was good defensively, but wasn't producing that much uh, on the offensive side. And Jimmy Buckets can definitely stretch floor and attack as, a, as like that, that kind of 2-3. But he's not, the number, he's not a number one option, so I think he's going to fit perfectly in Philly because you got Embiid as the number one, and then you've well, got Jimmy was, as the number two. And then but he Simmons. was the number one option on the Bulls. And, and but he what, actually did they kinda, win? Yeah, but not really, but there he kind of flourished in that role. He, he did well. Yeah. But I mean, but then again, it's always like, okay, put a pretty good player on a mediocre team and they're going to look amazing because they're going to get the most touches and, and they'll take the most shots or whatever. So, Well, there's been more news in the NBA, so want to get your thoughts on that as well. Uh, so Carmelo's time with the Rockets might be running out soon. And uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, good. I mean, Carmelo sucks. He's washed up. He's not good. Washed up is tough, man. I would look at it like he this. He sucks, dude. Mello, if you watch him play, he sucks. Yeah, well, okay. So here's <laughs> the thing. As Melo, when he was in Denver, and I, I was listening to Bomani Jones talk about this the other day, Melo made a lot of shots and took a lot of shots in Denver that he probably shouldn't have been taking but was allowed to take anyway, so he just became accustomed to that. He also well, look, got that on Syracuse, too. And he was, but he, was, he would attack the basket. Valid point. Attacking the basket. He doesn't do it anymore? No. I mean, the guy just shoots from, from outside, and he's not a strong presence inside, and he just doesn't get anything done. I think, I think you saw that shift in Melo. Um, two right, years ago. Well, two, On Oklahoma City, dude. Well, he blows. That, but I, I saw... When Melo took off for New York and he took the and he took the paycheck and they paid him over there, you know, I never, I don't want to get mad at guys for taking the paycheck, he right? Sucked back then too. But it's, I just poor Melo. There's something about that where it's like he could piece it together on the Olympic team. No, dude. Here's the deal. On the Olympic team, you got nine other people that are great at making other people look great, and you're enjoying yourself, and it's free and easy, and everybody else sucks that you're playing against. That's but true. here, I mean, dude. He he's out of shape. He does look. He does he's got like the out, Raymond Felton body going yeah, on there. It looks like bod, he just yeah. drinks beer and smokes dabs, dude. Go like get off the court. If I if I saw that guy at a pickup game, I'd pick him last. He looks like crap. He can't even dunk anymore. I think Melo needs to bring back the braids, and then everything. Will I be think Melo needs to hit the freaking weight room, dude. Get in shape. He looks bad. Yeah. He looks like he's hungover every day. All those endorsements and everything. It's it's tough to keep that fire. Last last issue I want to get to. Um, so Draymond smokes that fire. <laughs> Draymond allegedly, man, that's liable. Um, so Draymond and KD got into it on the bench, and they ended up the, ah. the Warriors Warriors ended up suspending Draymond for a game for conduct detrimental to the team. Mm-hmm. So I just want to get and he th- lost 120 racks. Yes, I just want to get your thoughts on the matter. I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny that a grown man got sad that another grown man called him a bitch. <laughs> KD's like, hey! So many egos, yeah. But then again, dude, I've been saying this for years. I don't like Draymond's attitude. I understand that he's the blue-collar worker on the team, and he does all the stuff that you other just don't people like the don't want to do. Well, no, but he just also does stuff. Don't want to. He's a pass-first guy for the most part. Uh, he made a mistake by not giving KD the ball. Guess what? KD should have been running down the court instead of standing behind him. There were six seconds left. So, I mean, whatever. You can cry about it if you want. I kind of agree with Draymond calling him a bitch because he was just sitting in the backcourt like, give him the ball, give him the ball, give him the ball. Well, if you really want the ball, you would have tried harder like Clay was, running up the court, you know, and um, – and so I, I think that's silly. I think it's funny, but also that being said, 
I wouldn't want Draymond on my team. I've been saying this for years. He's annoying. His emotions are out of control. Uh, that being said, KD also leads the league in technicals. Like, he's always up in the top five in technicals per year. And it's never, like, a loud thing. So, you know, whatever he's saying is just nasty. He's just like, he's oh, so catty. Yeah, yeah, the claws <laughs> are coming out. Just, yeah, yeah. But That's why your wife left you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're out of here. You're that was, exactly. Kevin, that was out of line. Yeah, like, he's like, you should have never been a ref. Or who was, who, was the, who was the ref that was fixing games back in the mid-thousands? Was that Donahue? Or, I don't know. Uh, he got to come back, right? Didn't he? I, I don't know. Maybe he did. But, yeah, that would just some uh, – KD trash talk would be would be good. Just hear what he says to the officials before game, during the game, and post game. Yeah, I bet you he's, I bet you he's nice to him pregame. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna be crazy when they lose Clay and he goes to the Lakers. I don't think that's happening. That's reckless speculation. All right, I'm no, cu- I'm cutting not. you off he's there before leaving. you get to. We'll talk about that later. That's reckless, <laughs> absolute reckless speculation. He wants to be a warrior. LeBron, Steph wants to be a warrior. No, dude, LeBron yeah. wants him. Dude. It's LeBron KD and Draymond that you're gonna LeBron worry about. Gets. Yeah, okay. Yeah, LeBron's gonna get a nice fat L this year. He's if I was, if I was, t- if I was the team, I would. If I was a Warriors, I would pay Kevin Durant and I would let go of, of Clay Thompson. That's what I would do. Interesting. I as a, as a teammate, I want Clay Thompson more. If I'm the best player, I want Clay Thompson more than I want KD. And if I'm if I'm a, a GM and I need a centerpiece, which KD is their centerpiece, then I want to keep KD more than I want to keep Clay. So your hot take t- is. If you're the Dubs, you're keeping KD over Clay. Absolutely. Well, it's a good thing you deleted all your social media because you'd be getting you'd be getting some hate mail right now. Yeah, That's maybe. Blasphemous. <laughs> I mean, dude, look at Clay. You can see in his face he's like just holding his emotions down because he doesn't really want to be there anymore either. Not true. He's always been like that. He's always looked like Squidward's no, no, house. No, no, he grew a beard. He grew a beard because he's depressed. <laughs> He wants to go play with he's LeBron. Got, he had he 77 million reasons why not to be depressed. No, I think he's, he's a okay. SoCal boy, dude. Yeah, he wants rings. to be down in L.A. See, his dad said originally that he, would, he wouldn't he would be surprised if he joined L.A., but then his dad has now gone on the record and said, I won't be surprised if he stays in L.A. He's putting winning above getting paid. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, if we lose both KD and Clay, my world will be in shambles. I can, I man- I can handle losing leave. one. I don't think KD I think KD will be back, too. It's just, uh, it, you know, we just got to blow it up because we're, we're less than – a month into the season, and we need a storyline to look at these Warriors. Otherwise, you're looking at it just like it's get the Warriors. Draymond. Who else? I think we might see you get rid of Draymond or I'm leaving. No, no. The <laughs> campaign will not exist. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Hansen, Mike Hansen. That was a journey into Mike's mind. We got there to learn go. about his uh, – I, I would call it a vacation, but you actually you, you went out there for educational purposes. Man, so it was His sabbatical. We learned about his sabbatical or yeah, excursion. Yeah. That's good. Um, you want me to plug my social media? I don't yeah, have any. Sure, yeah, you don't have any social media, so you can't plug it. What about your mindbody.org? Is that still going on? Nah. No, you stopped that? Okay. Well, Michael will be back on the radar eventually, and when he does, we'll make the announcement here on the podcast, <laughs> hear, okay? There's a lot. He's not on Twitter. I think he's still got Snapchat. Nope. No? I haven't had Snapchat for well over a year and a half. Oh, okay. So all the snaps I've been sending you have just been... I haven't. No, dude, I've, I haven't had Snapchat for years. That's dude. awkward. I'm glad we covered that while the while the mics were on. All right. <laughs> mics out. Yeah, well, thank you again. Uh, until next time, as always, it was a pleasure, my friend. All right, thank you. Many thanks to Mr. Mike Hansen, again, for giving us a piece of his mind. Uh, Flan, so you were saying how you agree with Mike's take on Draymond. Yeah, he's a, he's a heart and soul of the Warriors. It seems like he has a, he's a... He has a lot of emotion and what goes on, but he is just sometimes you watch me just go, dude, like pull it together, bro. Like you too much. Yeah. It's not just too much. He just it just comes off as childish almost at some points. It's just like it. It. I don't know. I. I don't know if he like 
it's weird. I don't know how to describe it, but I just sometimes you're just like, dude, just grow up. I need mean, like anytime the dude, every time the dude has a ball down the paint and he throws the ball up, even if it's like if it's behind his head, he'll call for a foul, or he'll be pissed Raymond? off. Yeah, every time. That's every player though. He's he's more he's like he's almost like LeBron status. Uh, well, he's probably worse than LeBron, honestly. There's a couple guys who flop pretty hard. Yeah. He flops Very a lot hard. too. <laughs> but right. like, but at some point though, it's like. I don't know. It, it gets it gets very annoying watching him play sometimes. Got y'all charged up there. Sorry. All right. And uh, also, he's getting fatter. It seems like too. Eating too many tacos. He's got that Raymond Felton, Carmelo Anthony dad. Oh yeah. yeah, Raymond Felton for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, Carmelo's getting there too. You know, Mike, not Mike much. Say he's taller though. You can you can kind of hide it better. Just a little. Draymond's like this. At least for basketball, like the short, it's short, medium, short, stubby little thing. <laughs> It just happens to be an absolute monster on the boards. All right, uh, moving Nats on. And yeah, what was your last thought? Go ahead. Have you noticed that his his offensive game has like been slipping? He had that because one he's all about. He's gone all in on defense this year. He said he wants. A but that one year they had the seventy three wins. His offense is pretty damn good. He was averaging probably like I don't know. Yeah, they also didn't 16. have KD on the team, so he's getting true. the ball a lot more. But his three point shooting has gone down since then. Oh though. yeah, and his three point strokes always been ugly as hell. But he had the when he it's like fifteen, sixteen. He was hitting it pretty often. But then at last, but now last two years, he's changed KD his came mindset in. to be defensive player of the year. That's how he can get a max contract. Um, is if he unlocks that clause by getting defensive player of the year, and then they can sign him for a super. I wonder if KD brought that up. Why are you telling me about when you're doing all your personal goals? Yeah, well, mm-hmm. it's whatever. <laughs> we'll see. Trouble in paradise, but it's still some paradise that I'd want to be in. Also, he's from Michigan State. Yeah. Draymond. Yeah, so Go oh, blue. so you don't like okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that settles that. Okay. Uh well, it's now time for a special edition of Lytle's Locks. Put up or shut up. It's time for Lytle's Locks. Love money. Yeah, well, your record would uh, suggest otherwise with the way that you've been going this year. It it's means I have a lot of money to blow. It means I love money. It's Wednesday. It is another edition of Lytle's Locks. Unfortunately, Billy is on a hunting trip in Montana. Must be nice. Uh, but that has not stopped him because of the wonderful marvels of technology. He was able to get his picks into me. Uh, John is also not here, but again, through the wonderful marvels of technology, was able to get his picks in to me. So, uh, last episode, if you remember correctly, John challenged me and said that if uh, come you know if Billy had a better week than me, he'd be able to pick the games. Well, long story short, we both finished three and three, so I'm still picking games. Flan and John bringing up the rear two and four, so that brings our season records now. Billy is at 31 and 24. I am at 30, 24 and one. Flan still over 500 at 23 and 22. And means I'm made, it means I have won money, though. You've won one game. <laughs> are, I do are, love you money. Are, you are in the green by <laughs> one game, sir. And then uh, John, Cousin John, sitting there at 19 and 27. Uh, he'll argue that because he it's 19 and 26, if you ask John, because he's not acknowledging the double or nothing that we had on the Raiders uh, a couple weeks ago when he got super, super confident. Anyway. Moving on, we got a good slate of games this week. Uh, 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 lots of lots of good, interesting matchups here. Uh, Flan, the first matchup we're going to start with is mm-hmm. going to be Michigan State traveling mm-hmm. to Omaha mm-hmm. to take on the University of Nebraska. Uh, John and Bill have both taken Nebraska. I too have taken Nebraska, who is the uh, who's getting 
two and a half at home against Michigan State. Why have they? Oh, there they are. Um, I'm gonna take Michigan State on this one. So you're actually gonna go with you after d- d- after talking shit about so Draymond for going to Michigan State. This is because you're going for money now. Yeah, it's okay I to, love I love money. So, so you got to go with that shade of green. Yeah. All right. Well, that makes absolutely no sense. But well, green money's green, so that's why I'm taking it. All the same with Draymond. So yeah. also Nebraska was like 0 and 6 for the first time like in 90 years this yeah, year. Yeah, but they've I think they've won their think past two I think games they in a row. 69 years. It's coming up. Nice. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming up. Don't you worry. Scott Frost is taking that. Oh show. All right, next up on the list, number 16, Iowa State travels to Austin to take on number 15, Texas, where the Longhorns are favored and giving two and a half points. I will tell you this, John and Bill both took Iowa State in the plus two and a half that they're getting on the road. I believe in this Texas team, if only for one game. So you're going to take Texas as well? I'm taking Texas also. All right, Steve Flynn, uh, I took Nebraska in that last last game. I was going to say, if you pick like me, you might have a record like me. so. Well, you've been falling off the last few weeks. So. Last few weeks I have been falling so, off, but we're getting well, back on well, the horse. I don't want to do that. No, 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 <laughs> because I was on to something. I need to get back Not on right to now. what I was you're on. on. I need to get back to what I was on. You're on the poop train. need to get back get back to getting high on my All right. supply. Next yeah. one. Next one. My bad. Uh, Arizona State traveling to the University of Oregon, where the Oregon Ducks are favored, giving three and a half points because of the support from the Autzen Zoo. Uh, Billy... And I, Billy and I agree. We're taking Arizona State. Wow. Minus three or plus three and a half on the road. I believe in Herm Edwards. John, cousin John is taking Oregon. What is Brandon Flanagan? Who are I'm you taking? I'm taking Oregon. You're gonna take the Ducks as well. Yep. Interesting. That could come back to bite you in the ass. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. All right. As we move forward in the NFL, we have the Oakland Raiders traveling to the Arizona Cardinals, where the Cardinals are giving four and a half points at home. Uh, Billy, in a shocker here, took Arizona. Because I guess he's just completely given up on his Raiders. They're pretty bad. Their ability to even cover. Uh, I, too, am taking the Cardinals. John, however, not giving up on his Raiders. Uh, He is is sticking with the Raiders. He thinks that they could cover the uh, plus four and a half that they are being given. Flan, what do you think? Taking the Cardinals. Yeah, easy. You don't even need to explain yourself. Uh, For those of you first time listening to the show, we do not normally fly through this segment that fast, but this is what happens when... uh, you get your picks texted in, and you don't really get any analysis. If the other guys were here, they'd have a chance to defend themselves, but they're not. So we move forward. Uh, second to last game, the Minnesota Vikings are traveling to Chicago to take on the Bears, where the Bears are favored, giving two and a half points to the Minnesota Vikings. I can tell you, as of right now, it is a clear sweep across the board. Bill, me, and Cousin John all taking the Bears. Same. Yep, all right, clear sweep across the board. Flan is taking the Bears as well. The Bears. They're good this year. They are good, and it is because of Mitchell Trubisky. Don't get that wrong. Well, it's because of Matt Nagy's ability to work He's with He's also saving Mitchell. my ass in fantasy, too. Thank you. Thank you, Nobody Mitch. cares about your fantasy team. Well, you're going to when I win. No. Oh, yes. Well, you are taking on my dad in the cohort sports fantasy or football league, so I am, uh, I am hoping that you do, actually, because you're going to help me with my position battle there. <laughs> All right. Uh, wild card games. This is the this is really for the tiebreaker in case of an emergency where we all pick the same game. Luckily, we have some discrepancies there with college football, so um, mainly Flan just picking the wrong games. Uh-uh. And then, uh, so Billy's wild card game. He is going to take. I liked how he texted this to me too. You could tell he's a Raider fan. He's going to take the Bolts 
and they're they're giving wow. seven points. He's going to take the Bolts over the Donkeys, is what he said. So Chargers over the Broncos. Wow. Uh, Chargers are giving seven points. I believe that game is in Los Angeles too. It is. It is in Los Angeles. Yes. So ballsy pick there, Bill. Uh, John, cousin John, texted in his wild card pick, and he is taking the Philadelphia Eagles as they go up against quite possibly the best football team in, in the league right now, uh, the New Orleans Saints, it, it, at New Orleans. So in the Dome, the Eagles are being given eight and a half points. I see eight points here, but I'm willing to give John the extra half point because I feel like he needs it. You know, So he's going to take the Eagles plus eight and a, eight and a half over the Saints. Uh, Flan, what is your wild card game? I'm taking the uh, Panthers over the Lions. Panthers yeah. are four-point favorites on the road in Detroit. Yeah, Detroit's pretty bad. It's just it hasn't worked out for uh, Patricia over there, and I don't know how long the leash they're going to give him is going to be. All right, uh, for my wild card game, I am rolling it all out there right now. Uh, we are going to have a Thursday night showdown tomorrow. Flan's a little upset because he doesn't know who exactly to play on his fantasy team with quarterback matchup-wise. He's got some tough matchups, but I'm telling you this game's still going to be a doozy. Aaron Rodgers, who I think all the people deeming him a goat are over, or, you know, that's that's overrated talk. Please don't hit me with the goat status, okay? He's not. And then uh, he will be taking on Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, Seahawks he's never gonna win with that contract he has. No, never. And uh, Seattle, Seattle's been playing tough as of late. It's a Thursday night game. You see a lot of Thursday night games going to the home team, usually by a lot of points. Seattle is favored, giving two and a half. I definitely think that they can win this game by a field goal or more. So on a Thursday night at home, I am taking the Seattle Seahawks minus two and a half over the Green Bay Packers. Good pick. Thank you. I tried really hard. Um, I think aside from your college picks, all your pro, your pro picks were, were good because they were the same as mine. But <laughs> so Yeah, I suck. It's your fault. Okay, well, we'll see. Only half of them. You know, and when you, go, when you get those two free wins on your record next week, you can thank me. We'll see. All right. All right, it's uh, time for NFL Power Rankings. Will you look at me? I have the power! 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 It is week 11 in the NFL, and I can tell you from all the football I've observed, these are the only power rankings that you should be trusting. There's a lot of power rankings out Moral there. Moral locks. Okay. Uh, that would have been well for our last segment. But anyway, uh, I I get what you're saying, Flan. Uh, these power rankings are the only power rankings you need. You're going you're gonna to see a lot of power rankings throughout the week. The, a lot of those are just clickbaity and wasting your time. These are 100% accurate, honest, not biased at all. Um, and you can tell by the way, uh, by the way they're ranked out. My, my favorite team is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I promise you the Pittsburgh Steelers are not number one on my power rankings. Therefore, evidence number one that these are not these these are great power rankings. They're not biased in any way, shape, or form. I just want to start out quick note uh, because five and five Miami and five and four Tennessee have been hanging around the power rankings as of late. We are officially labeling them as frauds. So uh, can't be wasted with them. Uh, you have 500 and above 500 records, but let's be honest, you're not going to do anything. Uh, the Dolphins are just hanging around. Same with the Titans. I know the Titans got that nice win this past weekend, but that game meant way more to you than it did the New England Patriots. Uh, so we begin. Number 12, 
Uh, I figured I'd start here. I know normally you get 10 teams. I've been floating around, you know, 15-ish, but here we go. Number 12, not moving any spots. The Cincinnati Bengals at 5-4. and four. They suffered a loss to the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans is really, really good. Cincinnati's really Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, there's no composure on that team. They just got their ass kicked. So you, we are who they thought they were. And and you you didn't you, you got left on the hook or maybe well you let you let the Saints off the hook. All right, number eleven, moving up four spots, the Washington Redskins at six and three after their win against Tampa Bay. Look, I'm gonna be completely honest. I haven't watched a ton of Redskin games this year, um, but from what I've seen of highlights, it's a decent team. Alex Smith at, at quarterback, he's gonna throw for no more than two hundred yards, maybe two touchdowns in the process, but he's not gonna turn the ball over a lot. So as long as that that Team can continue moving the ball, especially with Adrian Peterson. Defense isn't too bad at all whatsoever. So Washington Redskins hanging around the top ten. Uh, number ten, not moving any spots because they had a bye. Six and three, the Houston Texans. It's a very good team in Houston. Okay, Deshaun Watson is is plugging and chugging, working just fine. Uh, who do they have? They have Demarius Thomas now, along with um, who's the other one? Oh, Will Fuller's hurt, but uh, Hopkins. Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, sorry, I was blanking. So. Uh, <laughs> That's a dirty offense. And then uh, you still got Clowney and Watt uh, coming after your quarterback on the defensive side. Clowney's a free agent this year, isn't he? I think this might be a contract year. So even Niners could really use him. Even more. Okay. Everybody's going to the Niners. They have money for everybody. Uh, number nine, dropping two spots after losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Carolina Panthers at 6-3. and three. That was a really, really pathetic showing on Thursday Night Football. I know you're coming off three days rest, but like you look at what Pittsburgh did compared to what Carolina did, and you're just like, come on now. There's, There's... There's a huge talent gap. Maybe not talent gap, but execution, cultural gap. I don't know. It was really cool because I was just watching that whole game looking for pouting Cam, uh, you know, where he takes his towel and he tucks it over his head into his shoulder pads and doesn't want anybody to talk to him. It's one of the best things in sports, uh, honestly, just from like a bitter bitter faces-wise, one of the best, best faces in sports. Number eight, not moving any spots because they too were on a bye. At 5-3-1, and one, the Minnesota Vikings. Look, I... Uh, Kirk Cousins is the biggest question mark with this team, you know, and they're pretty darn good offense and defensively. It's just a matter of if they're going to execute and if Kirk Cousins is going to throw the ball away, you know. But Kirk Cousins is pretty good with uh, moderate to above average talent around him, and he's definitely got that in Diggs, uh, Thielen, who's their tight end, Rudolph. So I like the Minnesota Vikings at number eight. Moving up two spots, number seven, Chicago Bears 6-3 and three after their win in Detroit. Look, I said earlier, Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky, they're making it work. It rested Khalil Mack during the middle of the season. He's fresh, ready to go, doesn't have nearly the amount of miles on him. He's going to be ferocious. You've seen what he's done in the couple games that he's been dressed up for the Bears. Dude's a beast, okay? So is the rest of that defense. Playing very well over there in Chicago. Be proud of yourselves. Thank you, Chicago. Number six, dropping one spot just because oh. it was it was who you played. That's why. Damn it. Dropping one spot, the Los Angeles Chargers at number six at seven and two. Yeah. They won against Oakland. Darn it. They won against Oakland, but you you played Oakland. Why? So. Why did you do that? Why? <laughs> Cuz you played Oakland, that's why. Oh. <laughs> and uh worse. So, yeah, but I still like the Chargers offensively No, you don't. No, I do. you don't. I do. You I just one spot. I just think they're the sixth best no, team you in don't. the NFL you right don't now. Like them. I think they're the sixth best team in the NFL right now. So, I still like the the Los Angeles Chargers. Damn that it. Is, they're definitely that's sixth best is making the divisional round Not of the top playoffs. 5. Okay. Speaking of which, this team moves into the top five, jumping up one spot after that crushing, crushing victory over the Carolina Panthers on Thursday Night Football at 6-2-1, the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's bullshit. 
At number five, you don't think this is the fifth best team in the NFL? No. Look at that Chargers offense. Chargers are better. Look at that offense. Chargers are better. Get off of me. Get off. Look they at that offense. Defense. They have a defense. Is, so do the Steelers. Nah. It's just the linebacking is a huge question mark. Yep. The secondary's been Melvin playing Ingram all right. Melvin rock their world. Secondary's playing all right. I like the front seven. Or I mean, the the front the D linemen that the Steelers have. Trust me, I'm not. I mean, you know, I I drink the Kool Aid every year. Smell that. Smell that. Yeah. First round knockout. Okay. <laughs> Definitely not. Oh, <laughs> uh, going AFC Championship game this year, and then they'll rip my heart out. That's and then they'll lose the Pats. Yeah. Number four, speaking of the Patriots, dropping two spots because of that Every time. fucking loss to the Tennessee Titans. The New England Patriots at 77 and 3. Let's be honest, this game's not really going to matter to the Patriots. In the a number long four? Time. Yeah. Makes sense. They're higher than the Steelers. Makes I, sense. That's why, that's why I'm saying they're not biased. The Steelers are just Make at number five. It just, it just makes sense. They, they're going to beat them anyway. So. Okay, shut up. <laughs> you know who's not on this list? The San Francisco <laughs> fucking 49ers. Well, maybe actually Jimmy G's is not playing. Uh, if he was playing, he'd be in the top I five. I have hashtag Mullins on him being a great quarterback. Maybe better than. Uh, yeah, you wish. Jimmy G. Anyway, so number four, the New England Patriots. And again, you lost a game that doesn't matter. This might be the last game that the Patriots lose all year. They could end up thirteen and three. It Probably lose the game until next year. <laughs> They're definitely beating everybody in the playoffs. <laughs> the Steelers. Look, <laughs> uh, stop hurting my feelings. <laughs> Jesus, uh, just an attack. But um, so yeah, the New England Patriots. We know who they are. All right, this is a the, the Steelers killers. That's okay. who they are. All right, so we're moving on. I don't want to talk about the Patriots anymore. Number four. They are number four at seven and three after that terrible loss. You just said number four. You're number three now. They're at number four, yes. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs at nine and one, Mm. not moving any spots. That was a less than impressive win against the Arizona Cardinals. And if the Patriots had won, the Patriots would have remained above the Kansas City Chiefs in the power rankings. Mm, But Kansas City's offense is ridiculous. And, uh, the defense coming around, although it was to a suspect Arizona team, that's just like what kind of happened. But you know, Pat Mahomes was due for a shitty game, and they uh, they, they actually punted in this game. So, you know, Chiefs at number three. Moving on to number two, moving up one spot at nine and one after their win against the Seattle Seahawks, the Los Angeles Rams. Mm. Is there anything this team can't do? Uh, yeah, beat the Saints. Okay, well that's true. But uh, the 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 Los Angeles Rams are a very very good football team. Will probably be in the NFC Championship. What's the record now? Nine and one. If they're the classic Rams, they'll lose the next seven games and oh wait, lose six. the next six games. There you go. There's and only six games left. I mean nine and seven, just classic Rams. But record. they're not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Or they'll just lose the Falcons again in the first round. Niners have a better chance of winning out and going eight and eight than the the, the Rams do of losing out and going nine and seven. Put it that way. Neither well, that's not going to happen. Well, the, neither one's going to happen. So, there you go. All right. And then, last but not least, number one, at 8-1, and one, after their demolishing of the Cincinnati Bengals, I am 100% all in on our Lord and Savior, hashtag Drew Breezes, the that, New Orleans Saints. That's a sin. Nope. You cannot idolize Lord somebody as Breezes. a god. You cannot idolize somebody as a <laughs> god. Drew Breezes, the man, the myth, the, the legend. The man, the myth, the legend, Drew Breezes. It's is part of the Ten Commandments. I'm talking Moses football learned gods, that bro. Shit. Okay, well, we're relaxed. That's a god. Okay, football gods. Drew Brees is a football god. Sin. And as long as it... Okay. As Satan, long as he, Satan. As long as Drew Brees is quarterback in the New Orleans Saints and that game has to go through the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, <laughs> Good luck. AKA hell. Yeah, right. So, but but that's where he's the, Satan. No, that's where the football messiah is. So that's well, kind of like limbo. <laughs> that's limbo over there. No, nah, you're idolizing it's somebody a, that's not God. It's a purgatory God. for other teams, I'll tell you that. Anyway, those are the power rankings. Number 5, the Pittsburgh Steelers, number 4, New England Patriots, number 3, Kansas City Chiefs, number 2, Los Angeles Rams, and number 1, the New Orleans Saints. Flan, you ready for some pop culture? Yes. Are you are you stupid? It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter! I tell you, it just doesn't matter! It just doesn't matter! It just doesn't matter! It just doesn't matter!
It just doesn't matter, but we're still going to talk about it. Why? Well, because it's in the news. And uh, this one actually does kind of low-key matter, uh, but the rest of them won't. This one, Stan Lee passed away, so rest in peace, Stan Lee, creator of Marvel Comics. Uh, what's your favorite Marvel superhero? Favorite Mar- uh, Spider-Man easily. Oh, yeah, it's without a doubt, Spider-Man. Yeah, it's probably Spider-Man than Iron Man. I didn't even know much about Iron Man until the movies came out. Once the movies came out, I like oh, I knew about Iron Man, but the the ones that I'm just learning about now are all the event. Everybody that's popping up in the Avengers, like Thor. I'm just like, no, I knew about Thor. I know? didn't know. Th- I thought I was I thought I heard There's it was a superhero with a hammer. I'm like, are you kidding me? But it's a super hammer, so it's like a mallet, but like a magical mallet that like is really heavy and only he can lift. But I'm not I'm not a Marvel nerd by any means necessary. I just like I said, Spider Man. I got the Spider Man, Iron Man. Uh, I keep up with a couple. I think Ant-Man's really stupid. I don't know what he was doing there. But I read a tweet that really en- encapsulated everything. Stan Lee uh, showed us that, especially with X-Men, it doesn't matter what differences you have. It just matters about what kind of person you are and what you're, what you're trying to accomplish. Oh, that cliche to, stuff? If you're trying to accomplish good. Yes, it's what he taught us through comic books, so through cartoon drawings. He taught me if there's a bully, you should beat their ass. With your superpowers. My superpowers. Yeah. Just he also told me that a real hero is the ones that have a family parent drama and they go and take off their glasses and fight crime Ooh. all around the city. Yeah. That's sort of, that's after getting bit by a radioactive spider. After something happens, no, yeah. some, some, something that touches me out of life happens, they go out and fight crime. That's freak, I, after a freak. Oh, that's how I learned what a real hero is. All right. Uh, <laughs> next up on the pop culture update, what do you have? Um, I have that. We were, I'm just following up what I was uh, talking about. I think it was like two episodes ago. You haven't been here for two episodes. Yeah. So three episodes ago. No, I was, here like, I was here a week ago. Oh, okay, my bad, my bad. Yes, you were. It was the one with Pete Davidson uh, made that joke about the um, congressman, Republican from Texas. You want to you want to follow up with everything's all right. Everything's all right. Uh, Mate- out. Mateo commented that on the last episode. They thank you for listening to the last. Sorry, episode. I just want to say you followed it up and uh, <laughs> everything's good. <laughs> That's good. Yes. And also, and then Travis Scott went on Ellen's show and he made the point that Hennessy is a daytime drink. So anybody that wants to go do day fading with Hennessy. Is that debatable? Is that Hennessy is not a daytime drink. (laughs) (laughs) That is a a fact. That dark liquor give you energy. No. That dark liquor will give you some energy. Uh, Put you in a dark place really quick, too. (laughs) That's perfect for your mosh pits. Uh, I was talking. I I wouldn't be able to make it to a mosh pit. Mateo works in the liquor department, right? So if we ever wanted the hookup, we got the hookup. And he told me that uh, that Proper 12 McGregor's whiskey, when it comes in, when it starts hitting the store racks again, there's already a bottle saved for me. So we'll save that for a a post-show celebration. Is it already made to Oliver's? It already had, and then they sold out, so they're waiting to re-up really? again. But they've they've oversold on production, is what I think I got from him on that last episode. Is that it's a very popular whiskey, so they just and he's huh. taking and McGregor's taking his time and doing it the right way. So it's it's going to be a process, you know. But it's like I can't wait. I heard it's a great drinking whiskey. Like it's just super smooth, uh, super I, easy to drink. I hate just drink. If I'm drinking whiskey, I'm trying to get fucked up. Oh, okay. There'll be a big bottle. I just want to hold. I mean, you know, like we'll enjoy it. And then we'll hold on to the Speaking bottle. of whiskey, though, I think the funniest thing is when you see uh, kids. Or That'll do it for the pop culture update. But now it's time for Flan's whiskey stories. Well, is, is, is whenever uh, parents give their kids like a bottle of whiskey for um for like a graduation gift or something like that, and they, it's like, do you really think your kids just gonna sip on that whiskey? Like, no, that dude's gonna bring it to some next party and. they're Passing uh, it's, around during poles of whiskey. Down, Shit's going to yeah. be gone in five minutes. Graduation you're buying, whiskey, yeah, though. You're, you're buying up some super nice Jameson whiskey, and the thing's going to be gone in the next five minutes when you ever go to a party. 
Well, you know, that's their prerogative, man. They're allowed I to. I think it's just. Once it's like once you give a homeless person money, like you, you can't you, control you, what they well, buy that mo- what they buy. You give your money. you give a twenty one year old a bottle of whiskey. You really think he's gonna take that to college? Oh, I'm just gonna sip on it. You know, eighteen year old, little, little, little nighttime drink. Yeah, no, no, that dude's gonna be taking <laughs> the next party to take pulls of it. I totally thought you were going the other way. Hey, why like, whiskey see a par- is the best medicine? Want to see a party trick? Do the ten second choke right here. Yeah, right. But the straw. Show mom and dad what you did in college. Five minutes later, just zombie down the hallway. Passed out. Pissing himself. Oh, All right. Done that. Well, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> We're proud of you. Thank you. And on that note, uh, do you have anything going on in your life right now? Uh, that is a private. That is private. Anything that you feel like, anything going on in your life right now that you feel like sharing? Oh, with yes. Starting tomorrow, we have a 30 day countdown to Travis Scott concert. Okay. That should Wish have been you in the pop culture tour. update. Wish you were there tour. That should have been in the pop culture well, update. Well, technically, you didn't, you didn't like stop pop culture update. I did. I ended it right as you were talking about the whiskey stuff. It's part of the pop culture. Okay. Because whiskey, whiskey, yeah. Well, it's pop, popular, popular media. Whiskey for my man. Whiskey for my horses. I thought it was beer for my horses. Whatever the fuck it goes. Okay. (laughs) I don't really even listen to country music like that. I just know the oldies like that. Old jams. Yeah. All right. uh, I have a couple articles coming out, like in North Bay Biz Magazine, (laughs) YSN. Thank you for snorting into the can or the microphone. Uh, So yeah, just stay posted. I'll plug those all over my social medias. Flan, we can follow you uh, on the Twitter, right? Yes. At Brendan of SR5. Yes. Follow me uh, at JW underscore CSR. Love to hear feedback from you. This was just the first in our installation of the interview series. We have interviews uh, in the works. Not necessarily scheduled, but we have we have commitments. We just haven't had hashed out the scheduling, and, uh, and we'll be bringing those to you more. We know it was a long episode today. Thank you for hanging in with us the whole way. Congratulations on making it this far. It's a doozy. You rewarded yourself with a great episode. Probably one of our best, if we're going to pat ourselves on the back. Um, yes. And to the haters and losers, of which there are many, fuck yourselves. Go Duh. fuck yourselves. Yeah. Go fuck yourselves. Deuces. Until next time. Deuces. Yeah. I'm a floss. I'm a gloss. I'm a cop that easy. Run the spot for some chops. I'm about that greasy. Shorty coming to the spot, but no bleep. Don't tease me. I think she hang around the click trying to get on TV. I know I'm talked about a lot when I'm gone. Don't see me. Trust the process, man. I'm going Joel and Beasy. I'm a boss like Rick Ross. I'm a gold no keeper. Freestyling got a wet. That's a LA leaker. Guess who's coming out your eardrum and your speaker. I met the parents and they impressed how I treat her. Yeah. Bag on passenger side, sting gray two seater. Yeah. Randy Johnson with the flow, got glow, got heater. Yeah. Hop out, pull up, get out. They really do you bad when you lit. They really do you bad when you wit. I came in here sad, represent. I took a different nav, I'm a pit. About to make it out of the pit Why they foul, I'ma hit From the line here and switch From my crown to the shin Dick, now they a miss When I'm gone, nigga, bitch Don't call, that's a tip I'm about to walk around with my shit I never heard it down to the dips I'm always out of town for the glitz Hundred miles for the trip From my style, that's a chip, yeah Niggas at the house doing rips Stoop kids and we about to be next I ain't have to rock a thigh while the flex See the glam, you see flex I got diamonds and flesh, nigga Friends turn to sketch, niggas real fast Life can't prep you on, it's like a meal plan Shorty said to come through, but she still playing I got bills, nigga, too, that I'm still paying Hop out, pull up, get out They really do you bad when you lit. They really do you bad when you wit. I came in here sad, represent. I took a 
for now.